So as per usual, mm. we have a tradition here at the Superhero Homies podcast. It's not a tradition by choice, at least not on our end. This is more of a tradition mm-hmm. of things just happening as they tend to happen with us. And that is we record an episode, we put it out, and then a bombshell drops. Well, the same thing has come back into play once again. I believe just a few hours after we finished recording last week's episode and put it out, which was a uh, uh, a fun little foray. Definitely recommend you guys check it out. Uh, but as soon as we finished recording last week's episode, uh, the news was released that uh, Deadpool 3 actually has a release date of next year. Yeah, uh, September that. 2023. Uh, that's a lot closer than anyone anticipated, especially seeing that, uh, you know, from the D23 press conference and also from uh, the San Diego Comic-Con Marvel panels, there was absolutely nothing said about Deadpool to the point where people were wondering what in the hell is going on with Deadpool and the MCU. Where the hell is the Deadpool movie at? Uh, so whether this was done on purpose or whether this was done by accident, I will never know. Uh, but apparently, amongst the many shufflings going on at Marvel, they have finally decided to let Ryan Reynolds release or, or give us news about the release date of Deadpool 3. So again, September 2023, as of now. Uh, hopefully that date does not alter. But along with that, there was other news, and that other news being, of course, uh, Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine, uh, it sounds like for the last time, dot, 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 again. <laughs> yeah, well put. Yep. Yeah, man, admittedly, that makes me really happy. Now, it, if you had asked me, which you have in many past episodes, if I want Hugh Jackman to come back, I have said many a times on recording, nah, man, I'm content, I'm good. Mm-hmm. However, this was always the superficial excerpt from that statement. The, but... If I could get him to come back for one project statement. And admittedly, him and Ryan Reynolds, I'm down for that action. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I am uh, I'm very conflicted. I mean, obviously, I, I, I love... I choose not to be because mm-hmm. I'm I'm hopeful. I want a funny-ass great movie. Oh, so so now the shoe's on the foot. So now you're the hopeful one here, I and am. I'm the... I am. Uh, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> cheers me, damn it. Cheers, cheers to that. But immediately, uh, a lot of it's because I'm biased. Like the Deadpool movies are fun. Mm-hmm. Are they my favorite? Nah, no, nah, of course not. But they're fun as hell. And yeah. dude, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds, we cannot highlight the fact that they are actually damn good, if not weird, friends in real life. And I cannot <laughs> wait, cannot wait to see that chemistry come on screen next year. You know, and so I got a lot of hope in that. So do you think this is really the last time, or do you think that uh, he will would be brought in to the uh, larger MCU? If Ryan Reynolds had his way, bro, this is the beginning of his career. <laughs> and that, and Hugh Jackman would just, like, forever be Wolverine and, you know, whatever other fucking musical dumbass appearance he wants to make, you know? Wow. Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. I mean, they're not bad movies, but, I mean, Logan. <laughs> Uh, so I think that for myself, um, I view it a lot like uh, El Camino and Breaking Bad. And that is uh, Breaking Bad, for me, I think it's the greatest television show of all time. And so when I heard that uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould and the gang were releasing a, uh, a movie on Netflix about what happens 
with Jesse after uh, the events of the last season. I, I was very, very concerned about this because I thought that it was perfect as was. We don't need to touch it. You know, we don't need to see anything more. We can use theater of the mind, our own imagination, to fill in the blanks about what happens with Jesse. Uh, but then we got uh, El Camino, and El Camino was amazing. Uh, it was a tremendous movie. And I, I thought the same thing about uh, Better Call Saul. Like, oh, man, here we go again. Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, they're coming back to do this uh, Saul prequel show, which will also uh, give us Saul's true ending about what happened with him after he fled. And I was like, man, you know, I don't know if this is going to be, uh, you know, the same thing. And and guess what? Better Call Saul was amazing. Uh, now, I say all that to say that Peter Cool and Vince Gilligan, uh, they simply don't miss. When they're in the Breaking Bad universe, they're amazing. But the, the greater subtext here is the fact that sometimes things should be left alone, but sometimes when that creative spark is there, then something amazing can truly happen. Uh, for example, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds, um, I think that those two being in like an actual good movie together uh, would, would be fucking gold. And I think that Marvel knows uh, they have another billion-dollar movie on their hands, one that will be rated R. Uh, yeah. And now, you know, with that being said, though, will this movie be better than Logan? Will it be a better send-off than Logan? And uh, on one hand, you can definitely argue that that's not a fair thing to judge because they're going to be two completely different animals Logan being this noir western, uh, very uh, drama heavy send off, and Deadpool three will most likely be a very fun action gory comedic fest, and so they're two completely different things. You can argue two completely different genres within the superhero genre, and so to think about which one would be you know a, a better quote unquote send off, I mean, you know they're, they're just almost too different to compare. Um, so, yeah, I'm really not uh, not sure exactly what we're going to get yet. But, 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 but. Yes, but. Uh-huh. X-Force Wolverine costume. What? Bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you don't want to see the, the gray and black. Hell yeah. I mean... Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, I'm drinking a good brew. I'm happy. Yep. Yeah, just let me be happy. I I will not ruin your happiness. Um, Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll definitely be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun, for sure. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, no one knows yet about what the movie's going to be. We don't know, like, who they're going to be facing off against. Uh, we don't know if they're going to reunite the X-Force again or, like, to what degree. Um, we don't know hardly anything about uh, this movie yet, other than Hugh Jackman will be in it. Um, but, man, what a, uh, what, a, what a very, very bold move. I mean, I say bold. It's the smart thing to do, if you're Disney especially, to get Hugh to come back at least one more time. Um, now... Some of the potential negatives of that is what do you do about the actor who still inevitably has to come along and fill the shoes of Wolverine? 
Um, I think that you're, you're giving that poor guy a harder time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but hear me out. Hugh Jackman. Another 12 years. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm on fire tonight, man. My commentary is lit. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm taking that beer away from you. It's yeah. not that strong, even. I know. You it's goddamn just... lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just in a good mood, man. Uh, I needed this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This being the podcast itself. Oh, right. Yeah. The, the beer's not that good. You know? <laughs> it, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, man, I mean, mm-hmm. in all seriousness, to answer your question, it, I don't disagree. And that is a downside because inevitably the joy ride, the, the member berries of Hugh Jackman being Wolverine again have, have to go dry sometime. Like we, we can't ride the high forever, you know, um, as much as we'd love him to. It, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. especially when he doesn't want to do it anymore. Because then you get the same threat that happened with our boy Chris Hemsworth and whatever the fuck Thor is trying to be now. So... You know, in other words, homies, to be clarify, what happens when you get an actor who doesn't want to do the role and thus makes compromises to quote unquote do the role? Mm. So that being said, yeah, I mean that that's that's just more of a mantle for the next Wolverine, whomever that's going to be, whomever that mantle falls on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That guy's going to have a really hard time, and especially when you consider that Logan came out in 2017. So that's what five years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you can argue that, okay, maybe, like, people will always remember Hugh and people will always love Hugh as Wolverine. But, you know, five years, that, that's a good time for conversations to start coming up about the next person to play the role. And then instead we get Hugh's coming back at least one more time, uh, which kind of resets the cycle of somebody else having an easier time filling that mantle. Um, right. But, I mean, with all that being said, like, I'm not being a Debbie Downer. I think the movie's going to be hella fun. Um, I would love to be a flower on the wall uh, to hear the conversations between Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Feige. Right. Um, that would be such a hilarious thing. Like, that should just be a fucking podcast by itself. Like, <laughs> let me use all the X-Men. No. Let me use all the X-Men. No. I'll even let you see the CG them. Just let me use all the X-Men. Right. Uh <laughs> I think that, uh, and this is just me speculating here, guys. I have no evidence to back this up. Wow. I think that things, that conversations probably got more heated than what people think between the two parties. Really? Yeah, absolutely. In, in, in what regard? Uh, I think that Kevin Feige and, and the fine folks at Marvel understand that Deadpool is a very popular brand that can make a lot of money. But his brand doesn't fit the mold for what they're doing in the MCU. And so they were probably trying to compromise and make adjustments at first to make it something that is more palatable to everything else they have in giving us at the MCU. In other words, a PG-13 Deadpool. Nope. And, and I think that Ryan Reynolds probably shot that down immediately. Because even though the Deadpool thing is obviously owned by Fox and Fox is now owned by Disney... Ryan Reynolds has so much creative control over Deadpool that when that whole deal went down, I don't know the litigation or the red tape, yeah. but you have to imagine that Ryan Reynolds still has a lot of creative control over what goes on with Deadpool. Right. And with that being said, Ryan Reynolds is in a rare position, I think, where he can he can put his balls on the table and say, right. 
hey, uh, Deadpool is my baby. I I brought this movie to life mm-hmm. with a fucking shoestring budget yeah. and made damn near $800 million on an R-rated movie, which had not been done. Right. And then he topped himself again with Deadpool 2, which I believe is the only R-rated movie to make over a billion dollars. That's he, a hell of a yeah, record. Yeah. And, and, and Disney can't ignore that. Can't ignore that. And dude, that... The fact they got Hugh Jackman on this shit, bro. That's another billion. That's it's easily that's another Billy. Yeah, easily another Billy. That's another Billy. Yeah, Billy uh, Bob he, Thornton. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, man. But so, no, that's that's easily another Billy. And yeah. I mean, and also when you consider that, like, I was trying to think. Yeah, this we may have, we may have seen this in the X three. Never mind. I was going to say this could be the first time we get to see the fastball special. Because Colossus has been in the previous two X Men, I mean, previous two Deadpool movies, and now with Hugh in it. No, no, no. This be first. Yeah. We didn't see it in X Three in the uh, Danger Room simulation. I choose not to remember. <laughs> so yeah, this will be a first. Yeah. I don't know which movie you're talking about. X Three uh, is that the new game? <laughs> I didn't. Re- I didn't learn that combo. Oh. I didn't type that in. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, this is this is the difference. You you had the that game system I didn't have yet. Oh, okay. Game box. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. exactly what I had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a game box exclusive, huh? <laughs> it really was. Oh, <laughs> um, it, it is. I was just super ironic, though, that this happens to us again because our cold open last week, we spoke about the X Men in the MCU. Oh, my gosh. We really, <laughs> we really fucking did. And the minute that episode gets produced, what happens? Big announcement. <laughs> Disney drops a dick on the table and says, uh, Deadpool 3, Wolverine and Deadpool. Fuck us all. Yep. <laughs> With like, Hugh Jackman, like, oh, come on. Like, son of a bitch. Now, and here's the thing. That was such a, a, a good fucking press release. Hugh Jackman's locked in. He can't back out. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, not no. that he would, but yeah. Not that he would, but at this point, it's like, if, he, if the man had any personal doubts... They have to be gone. Like, bro, you just sold this to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead like, and get those egg white omelets ready again and start back doing your deadlifts. Your, your chicken and rice, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Fucking yeah, dude. Fucking yeah. Deadpool and Wolverine. Oh, uh, gosh, I'm so happy. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, they just call it uh, X-Men Origins 2. <laughs> the originating. <laughs> um... The other thing that we need to talk about before we get things started proper here uh, that we get to talk about before we record is earlier today, the Black Panther 2 uh, trailer dropped. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Now, we have both seen it. We have. Uh, What what were your thoughts on the trailer? I, uh, I didn't mind it. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple points where I have some questions, some... Maybe illegitimate, but nevertheless concerns. Okay. Um, so ho- hopefully all you homies saw the trailer. If not, spoilers ahead. Right. Uh, I.e. in like two seconds. When did Namor get winged shoes? Winged feet. He's always had those. I don't fucking believe you. I do not remember <laughs> that. Like when the fuck did our boy become Hermes or, or some shit flying around by his ankles? You know, it's funny. I feel that like. We, we talked about a comic book, and you saw them, and you asked this question before. I don't believe it. <laughs> I see we have a recurring theme tonight, and, and might I remind you again, 
If I must, you heathen, <laughs> I choose not to remember. Okay, yep. So, so. But no, you, in all uh, legitimacy, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Like, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean he's got winged feet, motherfucker? What? Yeah. He's a fish! He's fucking the, the, the Marble Aquaman. What does he need wings on his feet for? And you also have to remember, uh, Namor is half Atlantean, half mutant. Uh, so, like, That's the, what he gets from what is who knows what. It's also why he's not blue and the rest of the Aqua Folk are. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, Namor, yeah, since, like, 1940 or whatever, he, yeah, he's had the, uh, the winged feet. Go to hell, sir. <laughs> I'm already done. What are we, fucking 17 minutes in on this? I'm done. Oh. Uh, I'm going to break the fourth wall myself. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, uh, I too, thought that this was a, a, a really good trailer. Um, I also have some concerns of my own uh, that don't include any, anybody's feet. Notice how little we saw What's-Her-Name, Ironheart. Did I make that up? Yeah. Is that her uh, name? That, that is her name. Okay. I thought I made that up. Yeah. I thought we saw her too much. <laughs> just because <laughs> I don't care to see. Like, nice. And you know what? Like, like I said before, man, like most of my faith in this movie doesn't rely at all on the MCU. It, it's all in Ryan Coogler's court. Ryan, really Ryan Coogler has like never led me wrong. And I know that he had a hard time making this movie for various reasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say all that just to say that they're going to have a hard fucking time justifying Riri's presence in this movie. Right. I, it, like, it just, it doesn't fit. Like, <laughs> Look at us. We're Wakandans. We have the best technology. We're, we're going, here. We're going to war with Atlantis for various reasons. Yeah. Here's this girl in an Iron Man suit. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that sell itself, folks? Yeah, no. With, uh, like, inferior technology... Unless it's a Wakandan Iron Man suit. It probably is. And you know, why like, the fuck doesn't... Like, I don't know. Man. We've already talked about this in great detail. but And, of course, we're going to talk about this in a preview episode. Yeah, yeah. Heaven forbid. Yeah. It's going to happen, folks. Expect it. But it's like... Why wasn't the fucking Iron Man suit made into the Black Panther suit? And then Shuri, whom we know is going to be the next Black Panther, mm-hmm. why didn't she just have the amalgamation of both? A Black Panther suit with vibranium fucking claws and vibranium metal plates and metal over Christ to the whole body and Iron Man capability and tech. And, and I mean, obviously, with Wakandan tech really being the, the motherboard here and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's like, wh- why are we playing? Uh, yeah. Um, not sure. Uh, all I can say is that, uh, you know, this movie is going to be two hours and 41 minutes, uh, oh, fuck, the, the longest in phase four. Uh, I think that the movie will justify its runtime. I, so I like the long, long runtimes don't scare me like some of you peasants out there. It doesn't uh, scare me. No, but no. It's, it's like, I don't know, man. It, it's, I don't know. The movie in general, not the, anything regarding the long time, but the movie in general has me a little worried. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so two major things that I really liked about this trailer. One, because of the nature of of this movie and, and what they're really playing hard on, they did not do any jokes. And right. thank fucking goodness. Um, because not only am I tired of jokes in the MCU, they're not that good either. You know, nine times out of ten now. They used to be. They used to be. They used to be. Yeah. 
back when they, you know, were done somewhat sparingly, right. they, they were more effective, and it wasn't throwing everything at the wall to see, to see what stuck. Yeah. Uh, but, man, now, especially Phase 4, it is just, like, joke central. Like, how many jokes can we fit into a joke? The best actual funny movie was the third Spider-Man. Like, that actually had legit funny scenes, which, like, wait a minute. You, what, what are those? Oh, these are our, our web canisters. Oh, you know? right, like that, right. That's, yeah. like, that's one example of yeah. me in that movie that was like, oh, you're actually funny. Good shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and you're right, because yeah, that, that, that movie really did a great job of balancing out tones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, yeah, as, as a whole. Brother, it reenacted the fucking meme. It did. <laughs> it's yeah. Great. And that's got to be glorified. That's yeah. pretty cool. You know? Yeah, 100%. But that's... Uh, and actually, wait, technically... Who, who, which studio was in charge of that movie again? Remind me, please. Uh, okay, I suppose it'd be Sony. There you go. There you go. Have a drink, buddy. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I don't know whose call it was to, you know, I, I don't know who to give the credit to for, for that movie being so good. Uh, because Sony also made Morbius. <laughs> and the MCU hasn't been on a high streak either. So I don't know how the fuck. No Way Home ended up being so good. You multiply two <laughs> negatives, you get a positive. Come on. What are we doing? Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I really love how, like, this new Black Panther trailer highlights that, okay, we're, we're trying to be more serious here. This is a fucking war going on, and yeah. we're mourning the loss of our king, our son, our brother, you know, T'Challa. He's gone. Uh, so I love how they, they, they're not going down the jokey joke route. It's so refreshing. And two... Plus, uh, Angela Bassett would have their asses. Oh, yeah. 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 She, wouldn't, she wouldn't stand for this shit. I would like to say that both of the things that I'm highlighting that I really enjoyed oh. like, are things that shouldn't have to be highlighted, but they should just be like, no Standard. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Expect it. Um, right. And the second thing is, as you mentioned earlier, they're making Shuri Black Panther. Yeah. Um, which, again, like... Well, yeah, no shit. Like, she's the only, mm-hmm. like, you know, like we talked about before. Uh, and I understand Marvel is in a it's very... It's in <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, yeah that, that shit wouldn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, it's just seeing the, the state that the MCU is in, uh, they're not in the position right now to have any kind of easy decision to make. Uh, because, you know, what do you do in a situation like this? So I, I do understand that they have a very hard decision to make in terms of what to do with the character of T'Challa. And, uh, you know, they chose to kill off the character, um, which, again, I still disagree with, but also, okay, I understand, you know, it's a hard decision to make. So if you're going to kill off T'Challa, that literally only leaves you with one viable option, and that is Shuri. And not only is Shuri, canonically speaking, your only candidate that you can go with, she was also a standout in Black Panther 1. So how, crowd favorite, yeah, yeah, exactly. So how could you not go with Shuri? And man, the fact that MCU had me fucking over here sweating that they wouldn't go with Shuri says a lot. Um, but thankfully, that's the decision they're going with. Shuri is Black Panther, as she should be. Uh, with that being said, there is like a uh, another uh, pseudo negative that I have. It's, it's something that I see half jokingly and half serious. And that is, man, I think this trailer makes Namor look a bit like a bitch. And, uh, <laughs> and what I mean by that is we can assume that Atlantis has been there 
since day one of the MCU. Right. Uh, there's been several little Easter eggs sprinkled all throughout the MCU that maybe indicate the existence of Atlantis being there. Now, that being said, Civil War, uh, Namor don't do shit. Black mm-hmm. Panther, Namor don't do shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. T'Challa's dead. Time to rise up. You right. Know, so- <laughs> right. Namor said, all right, bet. Let me get my spear. Right. I tried it. Um, but no, I, again, I say that just half, half jokingly, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just kind of something interesting to note there. Like, now, oh, now you want to rise up. That's interesting. Um, one more thing I want to talk about with the Black Panther 2 trailer. I'm going to get your thoughts on this as well, and then we'll move on to the main course. Uh, and that is uh, recently the actor, and you guys have to forgive me, I, I still uh, cannot remember and or pronounce his name, the actor who, who's playing Namor. Um, I promise I'll have it semi down by the time the movie comes out. Uh, but the actor who's playing Namor, um, he uh, recently stated in, a, in an interview uh, that Namor is, is not a villain. Mm. And here's the thing. Uh, how many not villain villains have there been in phase four of the MCU? I feel like damn near all of them. Right. Uh, Taskmaster. That's a, that's a not villain villain. And what I mean by that guys is like, Oh no, this person is either misunderstood and, or a victim. They're not really a, a villain. Uh, so Taskmaster is one of them. Icarus was one of them. Uh, fucking, Oh, um, Scarlet Witch was one of them. Uh, and I mean, I feel like, that, like this face is just full of non-existent villains. Like, no one wants to be a fucking heel anymore. Everybody wants to be misunderstood or, you know, a, a victim of other circumstances. Nobody wants to be a, a villain. Right, right. And and forgive me for being the, the white guy to talk about this. I feel like I'm already going to bastardize myself. And so please forgive me if I do. But I feel like... And this is speculation. If I'm right or wrong, cool. Doesn't matter to me which way. But as speculation, verbally, with the power of these microphones and this podcast platform, um, I honestly think, to a large degree, and I think you would agree with me, that the one of the many reasons that in this particular case, our boy Namor is not going to be casted as a purebred villain or heel, as, as my wrestling buddy mm-hmm. here puts it, um, but instead, the, the misunderstood, who by the end of the movie is going to have plenty of time in two hours and 41 fucking minutes to turn his story mm-hmm. around and be the, the pseudo good guy and thus uh, another hero of the story. Oh, I thought you were going to sneeze. I feel that they don't want to put any, any particular race that's finally getting a, a large leading role in a movie as the negative as the bad because i see here the actor tanak uh uh i believe that he would be uh let's double check it here i will let you pronounce the name from from henceforth i got you (laughs) um yep he is uh uh, hispanic from actual uh mexico which is great which is cool and i love that and i i actually agree with the idea that yeah i mean sure if we are to have these inclusive movies you know don't try to portray any one race as like, uh, oh, fuck these guys. They're, you know, they normally play the villains. Like, don't stereotype them, sure. Right. It's unfortunate it's happening again in Marvel, is what we're making fun of, what I'm making fun of, even. But it's like, yeah, 
this guy here, I I can understand where it's like we don't want to typecast a villain because people might assume that we're saying that about the Hispanic race is what Disney mm. would think. Whereas you and I would be like, no, it's Namor. He's supposed to be right. kind of bad. Yeah, I don't care if he's you know black, white, Mexican, you know whatever. In the well, comics, he was always a white asshole. Yeah. Well, that, it's interesting you say that because I always viewed Namor as being Asian. Uh, like from oh okay yeah like uh, like yeah. Uh, Asian American yeah like a like a Pacific Islander maybe uh maybe or like a, a little bit uh, a little bit Japan oh uh, cool okay to Japanese to me um I don't know just uh, yeah from some of the facial features are you sure he wasn't Roman okay get the fuck out of here I'll go to bed now thank, thank <laughs> you thank you <laughs> okay I joke <laughs> I joke. Uh, look it up. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's awesome that we do have a leading role as a, a Mexican actor. I think that's right. really cool. Uh, I believe it's the first time that we have something like this in the Marvel Universe, which is cool, which is awesome. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of another hero. I mean, it definitely wasn't no Steve Rogers, you know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe you're onto something. Maybe that is... Um you know something that they're hinting at uh, there, which I didn't think of, but that kind of that that kind of makes me think about something else. Uh, a conversation that we had, I don't know, man, maybe a year ago or so. I don't I don't remember what the context was, uh, but we were actually having a similar conversation about how even that early on in Phase Four, like a year or so ago, we were noticing that there's a lot of non-villain villains, right? Right, and, and that uh, sucks. Yeah, and you know the the topic of Magneto came up, and we said, well, what the fuck are you gonna do? When you bring in Magneto, because the guy who really kind of uh, capitalized that type of character, he's not going to mean anything by the time the MCU brings him in, because, yes, he's actually one of those who is a non-villain villain. Like, he does horrendous shit, which cannot be ignored, but if you look at the, you know his characterization and, and the way and the way he's been treated throughout his life, you understand why Magneto... You can reasonably understand why he does some of the shit he does. Not saying that it's justifiable, but you see where he's coming from. And I'm like, you guys are wasting that card on so many other villains. By the time you get to Magneto, it's not going to mean anything. Uh, And and so with Namor, to a lesser degree, uh, he's a victim of that as well. Because Namor, you know, to a degree, yeah, he can also play that same card. The issue is that everybody's playing that card. Yeah. Every villain now wants to be the uh, the misunderstood victim who wants to turn a new leaf or whatever, whatever. And I'm like, you know, you guys got to remember, superhero homies, rule number one, like, adhere to the integrity of the character. Uh, at, at all costs, the one thing that should always be preserved is the character's integrity. How is this character behaving? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, are you really holding true to the nature of this character? at their core, at their essence. Are you guys really giving us Namor? I want Namor. I was excited when you guys mm-hmm. announced Namor and I want a true Namor. Yeah. That means that means he's got to be a dickhead. Yeah. He can be a dickhead who fights good or bad, but he's yeah. got to be a dickhead. And a know-it-all dickhead. Like a, someone who's, who's very like, pompous. Yeah. Exactly. Someone who's like, no, I am better than you. Right. I am Prince Vegeta. Yeah. Like, I am the best. <laughs> right. Right. Bitch, I am the hype. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's just a little bit there about uh, Black Panther Two. Again, uh, 
as it stands, I'm going to go ahead and put my card on the table. And this is a wild card, but uh, if any movie, if any superhero movie this year stands a chance of beating the Batman, it'll be Black Panther 2. But that's going to be a very, very tall order for that movie. Yeah. Um, it's going to be significantly difficult without T'Challa. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, when does this movie come out now? Uh, November 11th. So the tenth for most of you guys, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah. So we will see what happens with that. Uh, hopefully that movie is amazing, and you know, hopefully it just blows it out of the fucking park. Yeah. So we'll see. All right, guys. So with that being said, there we have another very special episode for you guys. But to bring this thing in proper, welcome, welcome back to the Superhero Homies Podcast. My name is Quentin, and as always, I am here with the homie Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another night. Yeah. We are here on this very special occasion uh, to discuss a very, very special story in the Batman mythos that is uh, going to be featured in an upcoming video game called uh, Gotham Knights. And the story we are talking about tonight is none other than the Court of Owls. Yeah. I hope you guys like that sound effect because every time we mention said name, it nope. may or may not get nope. pressed. I can't make any promises. Motherfucker. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll knock your water off this table. The first couple thoughts were like too violent. So I'm like, ah, it's not worth that. See, Fuck. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Yeah, so I was like, I'll just knock your water off. Oh. <laughs> Which you still don't want. I, I, know, I don't want don't, that. Yeah. I'm glad the top is on right now. I, okay, yeah. It oh. is on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for those of you who are not familiar, Court of Owls is the, uh, the first story in what was the DC Comics New 52 era. It was written by Scott Snyder and drawn by Greg Capullo. And it kicked off a very, very fun and eventful run of Batman comics that was uh, extremely enjoyable. Uh, to put it simply, guys, the Court of, Owl, the Court of Owls is essentially a cabal of the rich elites in Gotham who have been operating and controlling things behind the scenes for centuries. Think of them as an Illuminati-type group, uh, but they are extremely evil, extremely ritualistic, and uh, extremely manipulative uh, in, in their actions and in what they do. Uh, the Court of Owls, by most readers, are considered to be a modern-day classic. I myself agree with that. Uh, I think that it is a, uh, a fantastic Batman story. Um, I think that the Court of Owls, they are definitely best portrayed within those 12 or so issues that they are in uh, the Batman Scott Snyder run. Uh, the Court of Owls have come back in varying degrees uh, after this run, but to you know uh, lesser degrees of success. Um, it is interesting how, like, with uh, you know, with with a lot of comic books, hell, with a lot of anything, movies or anything, if you have like a hit like that, whenever you try to capture it again by bringing them back, it's it's never quite as good. Uh, but uh, yeah, Court of Owls, you know, kind of the same thing here. Yeah. Um, but no, by most people' standards, the Court of Owls is a fantastic story. It is uh. Definitely one of one of my favorites, and uh, I'm a huge Batman fan, uh, so that goes without saying that The Court of Owls is a story that I think is uh, incredibly fun. If you guys have not read it yet or learned anything about it, uh, I highly suggest you guys check it out. 
Uh, there would be full spoilers, by the way, for the quarter vial story here tonight. So if you guys do not want to be spoiled by it, I suggest you pause this episode, read the story, and then come back and check it out. Uh, but with that being said, are we ready to get into uh, the Court of Owls? Yeah, man. I mean, this is actually a rare situation. We have multiple copies of the same book because you're an addict. And I'm, actually, First of all, I am not an addict. And second of all, you say rare? I have so many duplicates. No, no, no. I, no. Uh, oh. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, you mean in general of your entire collection? Mm-hmm. Well, I was trying to give you some credit, but... I mean, that just makes you sound more, more like an addict, bro. How fucking dare you? How dare you? I dare. I will not sit for this. Okay. Y- you can stand or sit, bro. I mean, I'm sitting for this. I'm, I'm very comfortable with this podcast right now. Yeah. Holding this copy, which is different from the copy you're holding. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Hey. I, I got that copy. That copy is like 10 years old now. Okay. This copy <laughs> recently came out, and it's like a few tell, months. Tell, tell the homies what you're holding. Okay, tell, I, yeah, I'm holding the, uh, uh, the New 52 Batman Omnibus Volume 1. Yep. And uh, Kevin is holding uh, the original trade paperback uh, Volume 1. Indeed. This is actually how I was introduced to the Court of Owls uh, in general, through this trade paperback. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Because this is all you had at the time. Right. Though now you have the luxury of the big old Omni uh, to, to keep you warm at night. Indeed. Yes. It does keep me warm because it's extremely heavy. It's uh, a fat-ass book. It's a fat-ass book. It's, it's a Bible of Batman. But yes. Scott Snyder's take. <laughs> this is gospel of Scott Snyder's Batman. Uh, uh, I mean, Bible is Latin for a collection of books, right? So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it checks out. I think not Latin, but Hebrewic. So, there you go. It's derived from Hebrew, I think, Mm. which I don't know. I'm guessing that off his story. I don't know. Fuck me. (laughs) We're not. We're not the you know um, bibliographers. Oh, there you go. We're both saying nice words. Yeah, there we go. Uh, But yes, my uh, my specialty is in the superhero shits. I'm sorry. Please keep talking. Yeah. Don't don't listen to my juvenile laugh. Oh fuck me. Uh, so first of all, um, we we will not be breaking down like every event of all fifteen ish issues oh, <laughs> of yeah. this of this story. Yeah. Uh, just just like the main plot threads. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, it, it gives it gives us a little bit of a uh, breathing room here, Kevin. To talk about something that I found to be extremely interesting about the Court of Owls. And um, it gives us room also to talk about something that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. And if they are, it's just not spoken about that much. And that is uh, Grant Morrison's Batman run. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've had the, uh, the, the pleasure to read that. Uh, but Grant Morrison's Batman run... Uh, comes out before Scott Snyder's. As a matter of fact, at the end of Grant Morrison's Batman run is when the New 52 was introduced. We get like Grant Morrison's Batman run and Grant Morrison's uh, Final Crisis. And, you know, shortly after those events, we get a whole reboot with the New 52. Uh, But the reason that I'm bringing up Grant Morrison's Batman run is, uh, are you familiar with a group called the Black Glove? 
The, uh, I've heard of uh, Black Mask, which was a great movie, but uh, nope, not this. Uh, great villain, you mean? No, great movie. Yeah, yeah, the Giant Depp movie. Oh, that was Black Mass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> S removed the K. Yes. Gotcha. But yeah, I've heard of that, but not not no, not no glove. <laughs> uh yes. Yeah, so, uh, uh, the black glove. Like this was a whole uh, a whole group and a whole storyline in Grant Morrison's Batman run, and uh, what the Black Glove is is that they are a group of wealthy elites who are running things behind the scenes, and they are controlling things behind the scenes as well. They perform a lot of uh, evil, demonic ish, ritualistic, uh, yeah, r- rituals essentially that. Uh, they're trying to bring forth like some kind of great evil. Um, and now, to me, when I think about that, because I recently read, reread Grant Morrison's Batman run like less than a year ago, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind. Uh, but when I was rereading The Court of Owls in preparation for this episode, my mind kept going back to Grant Morrison's run on Batman and The Black Glove. Uh, because the Black Glove and the Court of Owls, if you ask me, are extremely similar. Hmm. And I'm like, not enough people are talking about the similarities between Black Glove and the Court of Owls. Like a group of wealthy elites who are operating behind the scenes. But the similarities don't stop there. And again, full spoilers here for Court of Owls. Um, but throughout the course of Court of Owls, we learn that one of our... Uh, one of our characters here that's introducing this story, his name is Lincoln March. Come to find out, he too is working with this cabal, the Court of Owls. Mm. And in Lincoln March, we also discover, you know, in the big finale of the Court of Owls, he and Batman fight. And it's here where Lincoln March, he introduces the idea that he is actually Bruce Wayne's brother. And, and the... Uh, well, amazing that didn't stick. Uh well I mean he 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 did so you know, oh. yeah, huh. um, but damn Bruce and uh, no Bruce didn't kill him but in Grant Morrison's Batman Batman run there's a character by the name of Simon Hurt and Simon Hurt and like their big climactic fight reveals that he is actually Thomas Wayne that he never fucking died but through means of certain chemicalistic properties that lie beneath Gotham. He has, he has survived. He's been alive for a long fucking time. And so with both the Black Glove and the Court of Vows, you have this evil cabal operating behind the scenes in Gotham. Okay. And you have a person who stands out amongst them, almost a leader of sorts, who claims to be family related to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And as I was rereading Court of Vows, I was like, why in the fuck did didn't the Black Glove storyline stick? And why in the fuck aren't people talking about how Scott Snyder had to obviously take influence from Grant Morrison's Batman run? Like, it is it is obvious. Uh, huh. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a very interesting kind of, uh, uh, you know, the discovery that, that I uh, stumbled upon here uh, because the similarities here are just uncanny, extremely uncanny. Um. But with that being said, uh, Kevin, I don't know like uh, when the last time is that you read uh, Court of Vows, but uh, what did you think of the story when you read it? 
Bro, whenever I first read the story, which admittedly has been some time, it was phenomenal. Because it was, it had to be. It was a driving force that made me want to read the rest of the New 52 Scott Snyder run, you know? And whenever you got those books in, I would selfishly take them the second you were done with them and go read them too, you know? And that was all because book one here leads into the idea and the the whole, like, you know, collection of what is the Court of Owls so well. Mm -hmm. It was such a mystery, such a grandeur. And it's like such a cool thing that kept under Batman's radar for so long of his professional crime-fighting career that it was it was daunting. How could they do that? How could this be such a power wheelhouse? And then how could it become such an immediate and lethal threat, you know? Something that was putting even our experienced, technologically advanced, and fucking, like, you know, allied Batman with so many Robins in his disposal, how could it put him to threat? And it did. Mm-hmm. And it's visceral. It's great. It's, uh, it's you know, part supernatural even at times. Very, very uh, uh, interesting how it kind of delves into the psyche a little bit at times. But, yeah, dude, that was the Court of Owls for sure. Um, very cool. Very unique. Now, I can't speak uh, as to your earlier statements as to why Grant Morrison's didn't stick, but this did stick. If I had any, any guess... Uh, any lighthearted theory as to why it, it would be because that this was the new 52 something that if i recall the history correctly dc trying to to use to reestablish their storylines mm-hmm. and, and thus grant morrison just became a victim of bad timing yeah that that uh could definitely be it yeah um and i also wonder if like grant morrison feels any kind of way, like hey the court of Owls is essentially my goddamn story yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I did this like three years ago, um, but no, uh, yeah. So just to get into the story proper, guys, it starts off here essentially with, uh, with uh, Batman, and he is having like a, a fancy shindig at uh, at Wayne Manor, and while he's at Wayne Manor, he's uh, he's trying to get these new contacts. Uh, it's kind of interesting. They're somewhat yeah. similar to the contacts that uh, we see in the Batman movie that came out earlier this year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, these contacts have, like, uh, a satellite link up upgrade to them so that whoever he looks at, he can scan, and the contacts will tell him via the satellite information who this person is, what their affiliation is, and all that. And uh, the reason why that's so brilliant is because, A, Bruce Wayne would totally have something like this, and, B... New 52, you have to remember, was also created to bring in new readers. And so this was a way to exposit to new readers who certain characters were without it being uh, kind of like a weird, why is this here thing. Right. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. Uh, especially the first time we see it on that page, if I remember correctly, um, it was like with the three Robins, mm-hmm. which longtime readers, we know the three Robins. We could win that in a lineup any day of the week. Yeah. Jason Todd was not here. Jason Todd was yeah, not here. Yeah. yeah. But the, the the Robins at the time, you know, which were, of course, our boys, uh, Dick, Tim, and, and Damien. Damien, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the legacy, the, the wise, and the little shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you don't need to call Dick a little shit like that. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Just joking, of course. Uh but while he's here at this little foray, he announces uh, this this huge thing that he's doing uh, with, uh, of course, his own Wayne Foundation, and that is he is putting 
uh, a lot of his money and he has a lot of donors and sponsors who are also putting money into this initiative that will essentially rebuild the infrastructure of Gotham City essentially from the ground up. So um, think like uh, a lot of the maybe dilapidated areas of Gotham or a lot of the places that need money infused into them to kind of uh, upstart jobs or uh, rebuild buildings, shit like that. Uh, he's putting a lot of money into that and a lot of Gotham as a result was going to be rebuilt. Yeah. And uh, this was his whole, his whole idea. Now, little did Bruce Wayne know that this would be the catalyst for why he would begin to be uh, hunted uh, by this group of, group of assassins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, while he's at this, uh, at this foray, he's approached by this guy named Lincoln March. And Lincoln March is running for mayor. And uh, he's, very, he's very charismatic. He's, uh, you know, seems like a very, very nice guy. And he and Bruce are talking. And Lincoln is like, you know, I really hope, Bruce, that you know, I can you know, get your vote, blah, blah, blah. And Bruce is like, you know, I'm really thinking about it. I like your policies and I like what you're saying. But at the same time, Bruce is looking over at Commissioner Gordon, who was on the phone. And by reading his lips, he's able to interpret that uh, Commissioner Gordon is talking to somebody about a recent murder that has taken place. Yeah. And uh, and with that, Batman's like, or as you say, Bruce is like, oh, well, good talking to you, Lincoln. Uh, we'll set up a meeting tomorrow at the old Gotham Tower. Uh, but I, I got to go. Uh, I got to go take a shit or whatever. You know, he. <laughs> I, I got to take a shit. <laughs> uh, Sir Bruce makes himself scarce. He gets into his Batman outfit. He goes to this crime scene. And here he meets Harvey Bullock. Of course, we all know Harvey Bullock, the hard-nosed detective for the GCPD. And uh, it's here that uh, Harvey Bullock... Uh, shows Batman this murder scene, and it is this uh, this guy. He's a John Doe uh, because he essentially has like no, um, like like no recognizable fingerprints that can be uh, analyzed. He's uh, he's got no ID. There's really nothing about this guy that they can pick up from. Uh, now, what's interesting here uh, about Scott Snyder's run is that, uh, and I think it's one reason why his run is overall so popular is uh, if you guys go back just a few weeks ago when we did Batman Day, I I introduced the idea that there's three aspects of Batman. There's Batman the Detective, Batman the Vigilante, and Batman the Superhero. And uh, I think that Scott does a great job of kind of intertwining all three of those here. Uh, Because we see Batman the Detective come in full motion here throughout this entire Mm storyline. But first of all, what we see here is Batman is able to deduce by looking at this man that, oh, this man has been, this dead man, he, he's pinned to a wall via knives, throwing knives, and all these knives have little owls inscribed on the, on the hilts of them. Uh, and Batman's like, okay, that's interesting, but whatever. Uh, but what really interested him is that all of the knives uh, missed all of the vital, uh, all the vital points in the body. Mm-hmm. In other words, whoever killed this man wanted him to suffer. And then he's also able to deduce the fact that this guy is a painter because the, he, they're surrounded by like paintings that this guy drew, but there's like an awful lot of paint thinner in this uh, in this guy's apartment. Right. And uh, Batman's like, just by looking at the paintings, he's like, this guy was really good, and like the the, the paint thinner or the paint remover, like the smell of it is really strong, indicating that he used a lot of it. A guy this good wouldn't need to use that much of this goddamn paint remover. So in other words, this shit was probably used for something else. And he takes a match and he holds it up 
and it ignites on a on a uh, adjoining wall where this shit was used to inscribe a message saying Bruce Wayne will die tomorrow. Um, I love like the uh, the smart detective work that Scott Snyder introduces here. Uh, how he he puts like little things in there like that for Batman to figure out and piece together. Yeah. And uh, they get this sign. Now, what's interesting here is that this message says Bruce Wayne will die tomorrow. Uh, they also deduced that this man had been dead for probably three days or so. And so Harvey Bullock is thinking, well, this is clearly wrong because if Bruce Wayne was going to die tomorrow, that would have been like two days ago. And Batman says, not unless they counted on us finding the body here today. Um, and uh, Harvey's like, how'd you figure that? Well, come to find out, the guy where he lives, he's such a John Doe that the only time people check on him is when they want rent. And the rent guy comes by at the same time every every month, mm-hmm. indicating that whenever this guy would be found, uh, that would be the day that they're saying that Bruce Wayne would die the following day. Which makes sense. Yeah. 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 Very logical scene. Like, yeah. you, you like how every bit of puzzle makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a very cool puzzle piece there. <laughs> As it should for a Batman story. Yeah. Also, quick shout out, because it deserves it, and the man mm-hmm. deserves uh, the flowers, too. Greg Capullo. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scott Snyder, of course, in his writing, helps to stand out and makes this Batman story a great one, especially of recent years to be read. Um, but also, teamed with the great uh, Greg Capullo and his artistic yes, skills. Yes, yes. Yeah, that only emphasizes and accents the writing itself. Right. As a good artist should. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that they're a duo that's... That's up there with like Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb. You oh know? man, that's a fucking duo. That's a duo. That's a yeah. money. Yeah, <laughs> that's a goddamn duo. Yeah. Uh, but uh, long story short, also with these uh, contests that he has, in, Bruce is able to analyze the guy's body mm-hmm. and send a scan of it back to the Batcave uh, for Alfred to kind of run prints on, because there are some other prints on this guy under his nails, indicating that maybe the killer. Uh, tissues under the nails so they can analyze that bada bing bada boom get the killer I wonder why Batman hasn't shared this tech with the police department uh, probably because corruption probably because corruption that's the sad but true answer <laughs> yeah this is like man if, if God PD had access to this shit oh my gosh oh they'd be fucking oh spying on people right <laughs> oh that's so true Commission Go- Commissioner Gordon be like well, of course, we're going to spy on that one. Yep. You know, we're going to spy, spy on Scarecrow. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, Bane, he's been quiet lately. Fuck it. Uh, Kite Man, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Poison Ivy, oh, hell yeah. Oh, oh definitely. Definitely. Yep, yep, yep. Big cameras in her bathroom. It's like, oh, Kamish, no. <laughs> nah, no, come on. Don't Kamish. be that guy. <laughs> it's for protection. <laughs> the Patriot Law. <laughs> like, no, Kamish, no. You can't keep using that excuse. for. You can't keep doing this. <laughs> Um, now the interesting con- conclusion to this issue is that, uh, Alfred goes, uh, yeah, uh, Master Wayne, um, I got a hit on those prints and this is some old bullshit, sir, but, uh, the prints read Dick Grayson. <laughs> right. So <laughs> like imagine if you will, you're back in the comic book shop back in 2011 when this first came out. And you're reading this issue by issue on like a monthly basis. That means for like a month, you're like, did Dick Grayson kill this guy? Like, is Dick right. Grayson in the Court of Owls? 
Um, but yes, uh, I will go ahead and tell you guys here: No, Dick Grayson did not kill this guy. Uh, but Dick does have a, a a pretty solid excuse as to why his uh, DNA is under this guy's nails. Um, essentially, at a later part in the story, Dick tells to, Dick says to Bruce, uh, "Yeah, no, it was uh, a few days ago. This guy he grabbed me and said they're coming for you. They're coming for you all." He said something to, uh, to that effect. And when he grabbed, um, when he grabbed Dick, you know, like some of Dick's skin follicles got under this guy's nails, which is why, by the bing, by the boom, Dick's DNA is found on this guy. Uh, but just hitting the high, the highlights here, the next thing we get here is a, a, a pretty fucking awesome scene. Uh, I guess it is also important to note that during this uh, the forensic scene with Harvey Bullock and uh, and Bruce Wayne. That um, as they're looking at the knives that killed this guy slowly and painfully, they all have uh, owls on the hilt. And uh, and Harvey Bullock is like, huh, do you think this is like, uh, you know, the old Court of Owls urban legend? And Batman, like without hesitation, without hesitation, says something like, no, they don't exist. It's not real. Like without any hesitation, just shuts it down. Right, and, and you know, and when Harvey said it, he was probably you know just busting balls. You know, he probably didn't because it, it is kind of like an urban legend. Like you get the idea that like the court of owls in Gotham exists in the same facet that like our real life boogeyman Illuminati would exist. The same way that people in in, in daily life would talk about the existence of an Illuminati and their evil rituals. You get the idea that like they're a derby legend like that. Um, but uh, we fast forward here, and uh, Bruce Wayne is meeting with uh, Lincoln March at the old Wayne Tower, just like uh, they say they would. Um, now, before I talk about this scene right here, Kevin, I, uh, I, I want, I need to go ahead and, and get your forgiveness and the forgiveness of the homies. Oh dear. I. Uh, I myself did my own Batman uh, detective work deep dive uh, to find something that I thought was uh, quite interesting here. Okay. Uh, I need you to do me a favor, though, in the meantime. If you could hold this for me, good sir. Oh, Thank dear. you. you okay. You're, you're okay. a doll, Kevin. You're a doll. Um, I will take a look here. You're not getting this back. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You called me a doll. Oh. Shit. So, all right, I'm on page 35 okay. of the uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, uh, Batman Omni. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you. And if you look in that... Okay, uh, I'm he, looking in this. He talks about uh, the uh, the person who, who created that tower. I believe he says his name was, uh, was Sir Alan Wayne as a... Uh, yep. As a great, great grandfather, I believe he, he says. Okay. Uh, now, like I said, about a year or so ago, I reread through Grant Morrison's Batman run. And there's this whole thing about Batman's lineage and about the people who, uh, who in his family helped create, uh, Wayne Tower or who who helped create, uh, you know, the, uh, a lot of Gotham as it is, uh, specifically, um, you know, the, the, the Wayne family home. Right. And so I had to I actually pause my reading and I said, I know that this should exist somewhere. I need to find it okay. uh, because somewhere in Grant Morrison's run, he had listed 
Oh, shit. Here we go. He had listed essentially all of uh, the parentage of, uh, of Bruce Wayne, like all of his, uh, his descendants. And uh, I remember looking at that because I was like, this is really cool. I've never seen anyone do this before. I've never seen anyone just lay it out like this. And uh, so I went back and I looked, and now I'm, okay. I'm second-guessing myself. It was volume one or volume two. I am almost for certain, Kevin, it was volume one. Okay. I am not a crazy man. You do not sound crazy. Thank, thank you. But you do. Do you mean it? Oh, you no. do. You, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. You, you potentially might be not crazy. He said confidently. Yes. I will grab. Maybe it was volume two. I am not a goddamn psychopath. It All had right. to. It had to have been volume two because Bruce was dead. Right. Tell me I'm not crazy, Kevin. Um, okay. <laughs> Close you, enough. You, yeah. Yes, I mean. Ah, I will tell. Okay, it was volume two. Oh here we go. Gosh. Oh fuck! I see. I see something from here. Yes. Okay. Uh, it is here. Uh, I'm not going to deep dive into into what's going on here exactly, but just know that Dick Grayson during this run, he's Batman, and he's taking uh, young Damien under his tutelage as as Robin. But here we get the uh, we get the lineage of the Wayne family. And uh, obviously, the father is Thomas Wayne. The grandfather is Silas Wayne. And if this goes in chronological order, the great-grandfather... Should be Alan Wayne, yes. The great-grandfather is Patrick Wayne. Oh, they fucked up. Wait, 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 I'm listening. Wait. I'm listening. Patrick Alan Wayne. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Middle and first names. <laughs> There's two. There's two. There's two. But for some reason, they only refer to him by, by the middle name and, and the uh, new 52 there. Maybe that's all little Bruce knew and remembered. And Alfred, that's all he knew and remembered? Hmm? Yep. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That that is kind of different. That's kind of wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just uh, it was just something interesting because I was like, something is not fucking right here. Like Alan Wayne, why don't I? Uh, but now I, I will also try to give uh, them uh, some some kind of uh, you know some kind of way out here with that. Okay. Maybe you could argue that with the new fifty two, things have changed so much that even Bruce's lineage has changed. Uh, right, right. Like they kind of just redid the generational. Yep. Yeah. But, and I'm going to be honest here, like, uh, if this is just a weird accident that they did, um, I actually blame editorial more than I blame Scott Snyder because it's the, it's the editor's job to be like, uh, actually... Bruce's granddad is Patrick Wayne. Yeah. Not not Alan Wayne. Um Yeah, so that that was just like a weird kind of uh weird kind of thing that I found there. Uh so I'm not sure why why the change. Like it still could have been Patrick. Like they don't say Patrick did anything extraordinary right. in, in this book, so they really could have just put that in there. Yeah. Uh it was just a weird kind of change though, uh that okay. I that I discovered there. Uh, so, Bruce Wayne's lineage. 
Uh, is his great grandfather Patrick or Alan? You decide. Well done, buddy. Well done. You yes, you found you found the answer. Yeah. Well, no, no. The point is, I did not find the answer, Kevin. That is no, the no, point. No. Okay. So the point is, you found the problem. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Here's here's your omni. I I wish I could say that's your prize, but you already bought it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but DC yeah, so he's just gonna send you a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> or how about this? You guys, you can just hire me as an editor. You fucking need one. Ah, uh, damn. <laughs> uh, anywho, um, so yeah, Bruce talks about Alan Wayne, and Alan Wayne built most of like the uh, the Wayne buildings in Gotham City. And uh, I gotta be honest, man, like with the, uh, <laughs> the, the 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 name snafu, you know, excluded. There's a lot of really cool details that Scott puts into this, like uh, how there's on the old Wayne Tower. There's, uh, like, I think he says there's 12 gargoyles, and each one... Seven. I just looked at it. I was on the same page. Uh, there... Nope, there are 12 gargoyles, or guardians, as Alan calls nope, them. I saw seven. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna... You go to bed. I will sit here and pretend I know everything about Batman. Hey. 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 So Batman's gloves are no longer purple, people. <laughs> know that. Here are the real facts. That, that is correct. That is correct. You're fucking right. It's correct. But they're purple right here. They're purple on the cover. Yes. But that's a uh, homage. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Uh, but no, I, I really love like the details that they put into this, into like uh, the the structural layout of um, of like all these Wayne buildings that that Alan put in. Alan Wayne. Uh, because he talks about how like each gargoyle or guardians, as Alan would call them, each one uh, is pointing towards a direction that is like an, an entrance and or exit into Gotham, whether it be like through transit or through, uh, you know, airplanes or, or bridges, what have you. Um, so each one is like a, uh, you know, like like a guardian. And the, and the idea is that each gargoyle, faces a direction that one can enter in through Gotham and it's, it's like them guarding people as they're coming and going. It's the idea. Uh, so just like a really cool kind of uh, interesting fact toward here that, uh, that Bruce knows and, and gives to the, uh, to the reader. Uh, but it's here where he meets with Lincoln March, the guy who, um, you know, who's running for mayor and, uh, and they, they exchange pleasantries again. And again, Lincoln has some really, some really cool ideas uh, but as he's talking, um, you know, uh, to, to Lincoln, he does kind of lean into him and, and say, you know, Bruce, I'm, I'm glad that I got your vote and all that. But I got to be honest, like, I, I think that there's something there's something sinister going on here in Gotham. And I don't know what it is and I don't really know how to explain it. Uh, yeah, he says something ancient and powerful and evil are his are his exact words to Bruce. Uh, but it's really at that moment before they can explain, uh, they are attacked by Talon. So the first time we see Talon here, such a cool character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bre- breaking that down real quick. Mm-hmm. So, homies, to my knowledge, I'm sure Q, you're going to expound on this so much more. Talon is the dope ass assassin that Assassin Creed wishes they could have kept. <laughs> like for real, he he is uh, such a cool character. It's the concept of like. This owl-themed assassin who is just as well-trained as Batman with 
arguably just as good tech somehow and, and capabilities and gadgets and everything like that. But hot damn, dude. Tyler's yeah. just such a cool badass. Uh, seeing him was very menacing and just like, oh my gosh, this is a very like present threat. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like the, the presence of Talon is only amplified once you realize that A, okay, so surely the Court of Isles does actually exist and Batman is wrong. Right. And B, they're like the goddamn boogeyman because, or boogeyman, spoiler alert, uh, because this motherfucker can't die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, Talon, Talon and Bruce start fighting, but Bruce is uh, trying to make it look like he doesn't know what he's doing because he doesn't want to show Lincoln Marsh that, hey, I'm this fucking martial arts badass, you know? <laughs> Bruce going with Krav Maga, and right. it's like, oh my gosh, how did I do that? Yeah. Ah. That was accident. Oh, yeah. man, those those karate lessons from 10 years old, right. man. <laughs> and uh, it is interesting because in the context of this story, this would be quote unquote tomorrow. So when the when the signs say Bruce Wayne dies tomorrow, this is tomorrow. This was the uh, the aforementioned attack. Yes, and uh, so yeah, this talent. By the way, he's like he's decked out like a complete badass, head to toe. So you can't see any facial features. Uh, the mask is reminiscent that of an owl, of course. Um, owl themed, yep. as appropriate. And uh, an ass. And so yeah, they're like on the uh, on like the the top floor of this Wayne Tower. And uh, it's so funny. Be- I say funny, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's just kind of funny because what ends up happening is that uh, in like the early stages of this fight, uh, you see that Bruce actually gets that page right there that you're on yep. right there. I was about to say I, I found the page you're talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, this is my great great grandfather's tower, and I'm crashing out of it. Yeah, I'm going down. It was funny. It's like he talks city rise. He talks about like the 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 shatterproof window. Dot dot dot. And let you know exactly how to throw someone through a <laughs> through a shatterproof window, <laughs> right? And it's like, yeah, only you would have that thought as you're plummeting down, right, towards yeah. an assured death. Um, yeah. So like, Bruce, he's he's going uh, plummeting down, but like throughout the course of this fight, before he gets thrown through a goddamn window that he should not be able to get thrown through, mm-hmm. as he's attacking Talon, he realizes that. Okay, something isn't right. I'm attacking this guy's pressure points and nothing. Like, the rear chokehold I put this guy in, I put like 150 pounds of pressure on this guy, and he's not even flinching. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is happening here? Uh, And so he's kind of weirded out because this is clearly no ordinary man. Uh, But as Bruce is falling, uh, he has nothing to protect him, you know, no way to save him. Uh, but his saving grace is that as they're falling, Bruce talks about how uh, there's something that most people don't know about Gotham. That is, his grandfather built a 13th guardian, a 13th gargoyle. And that oh. was, uh, yes, and that was, was for, I think, yeah, for the airways of Gotham, for people coming in through airplanes. Oh, okay. Which most people didn't know about. And it's on a, it's on a lower level than the other gargoyles. So most people don't even see it. And because Bruce knows that, knows the layout, he's able to latch himself onto that uh, gargoyle, and Talon does not. Talon goes fucking plummeting, falls, lands and lands on a car and completely ruins it. And he's taken out by he's taken off by the EMTs. Mm-hmm. 
And as Talon is uh, in that uh, ambulance riding golf, he fucking pulls a goddamn Frankenstein or Jason Voorhees, you know, sits up, murders everybody in that ambulance, and he's gone. So now we know that the Court of Owls, this Talon, whatever it is, is nothing to be fucked with. And it's still alive. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, I really love this picture by Capullo also. That is dope. That's yeah. such a clean one. Yeah. 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 Very different shading. Yes. Very much so. Uh, but moving right along here, Batman goes again looking for more clues about, um, uh, about uh, where he can find talent. But he stops to go visit Lincoln March, who's in the hospital. Lincoln got fucked up by talent, too, uh, when they were uh, fighting at the old Wayne Tower. And uh, it's here where Lincoln tells Bruce more about his past, about how he and Bruce, you know, they have some, you know, some similarities. And that is, you know, they both lost their parents. And uh, he says to Bruce, like, you know, I, uh, I don't, I really even remember what my mother looks like. But I remember, you know, when she died, you know, in that car crash, she had this, uh, this, I think he said it was a clay pendant in the shape of a heart that I made for her mm. pinned to her chest. And again, Shout out to Scott Schneider because that's such a fucking insignificant detail that comes back in such a huge fucking way. Right. Um, but it was just a cool thing to, to put, a, uh, put a pin on. Yeah. Uh, but Bruce goes looking underground and looking for um, like more, more ways that, this, play, that uh, the, this court of Isles could be, trying to find them. And then Bruce, he starts to lean into the urban legend a little bit, and he starts to lean into... Uh, learning more about his uh, great-grandfather, Alan. And he goes, my uncle Alan was a very superstitious man. He was one of the first people in the country to subscribe to the idea of eliminating the 13th floor for superstitious reasons. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he, he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, when they said there's no 13th floor, there actually is a small space between number 12 and 14. Yeah. It's just not a full floor. Right. And uh, then he goes, you know, owls, and I also know that owls are birds of prey, and they rarely take up their, they, they rarely build their own nests, and most times they take other other uh, predators' uh, place of uh, of living, or they just take the places of uh, of their prey. And so he goes, "I'm going to check out to see what's what's in between these 12th and, and 14th floors, see if I can find anything." Yeah. And so he goes to several Wayne buildings built by Allen, and in all of them he finds hideouts. By, uh, that talents live in. And so in, in like all these buildings, he finds uh, like a suit that is a court of owl suit, various weaponry. And by the varying degrees of technology, he can tell when this specific quote unquote owl moved in to this building. Mm-hmm. Some of them have like a lot of old school weaponry and technology. Yeah. Some of them are more recent. <laughs> Some of them got knives made by Da Vinci. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so that, that was like a really fucking cool discovery here that he finds. But as he's uh, looking through one of them, uh, he accidentally trips a tripwire, but he realizes it as soon as he does. And uh, that building explodes with Batman in it. Uh, but of course, Batman is a man of resi- resiliency of nothing else. Uh, he is able to escape. Uh, but as he's escaping now, he's realizing that he's stumbling onto something bigger here. And he's asked again by uh, by Dick, like, okay, Bruce, listen, you got 
a weird clue from a dead man's body saying that you would die tomorrow. Then you got attacked by this weird fucking mystical being who had an owl shaped mask. And then you found a bunch of these quarter of owl hideouts throughout these Wayne buildings on the 13th floor. Don't you think that it's time to start believing that maybe the quarter of owls is real? And Bruce says to Dick, I know for a fact that the Court of Owls does not exist. And I know that because I've already looked for them. And, uh, and this is like a, another really cool kind of flashback that we get for Bruce Wayne. Because what we see here is that he, we get a flashback of, uh, of his parent or, or of him shortly after his parents' death. And he basically says that he needed there to be a boogeyman. He needed there to be someone to blame for this random act of violence. He, he couldn't just buy the fact that his parents were just randomly gunned down like that. He didn't want to believe it. He wanted to find some culprit. And so he went looking and he did a bunch of detective work that for, especially for a kid his age. And it took him to uh, this old dilapidated building uh, that he thought for sure the court of owls would be, uh, you know, he called it an, an, an owl's nest and, uh, he went there looking for them. He was just so determined to find this place. And, uh, and yeah, so he found it and, uh, it was, yeah, he says it was called uh, a place called uh, Harbor house. And, um, and so he goes into this place called Harbor house and uh, it's like a like an old building for like I, I guess like the rich or elite to go meet at. I believe is what it was. It's a house for harbors, Quentin. That's a mighty big ass house. Mm-hmm. It's a really big house. It's a really big house. Really big house. <laughs> Those walls go deep. Um, it says it in the title. <laughs> and uh, so he thought for sure that this would be it because all the clues led to this harbor house being the place where the court of owls would be. As he's like a kid, like it's almost too easy. Almost too fucking easy. And no, he, he, he goes there. He doesn't curse like that. It's just too <laughs> easy. I'm Batman. And he goes there and he says, and he found absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. He found nothing there. And then he says to Dick, that's how I know that the court of owls aren't real because I've already looked for them. And then this week he gives the whole explanation about how he needed there to be a boogeyman. You know, he needed there to be something to exist. Yeah. Uh, but there, but there isn't. Sometimes shit just happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Hard lesson to learn. Yeah. Very hard lesson to learn. Um, but anyways, uh, Bruce goes again looking through uh, the, the tunnel system to see if he can find out where Talon could have escaped from because he realizes that he had to have gone through the sewers and he knows every bit of the sewers, but maybe there's this one spot he can check. And he goes there and he finds something, all right. Uh, but as soon as he finds like a clue that could lead to uh, the Court of Owls uh, hangout or their lair, uh, he is viciously attacked by uh, Talon, blindsided even. And then when he comes through, he is in like the labyrinth of the Court of Owls. And it's probably one of the most insidious sections of the entire book. Yep. Fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. But this part is where it became almost superstitious to a point. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, what the fuck is going on down right. here? What are you lacing each other with? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, my guess is LSD. So, actually, before you get into this part, th- this is why I mm-hmm. grimaced earlier. Quick spoiler for you, bro. Yeah. Uh, as to, like, um, the Court of Owls here and what it is in the books and what it should be in the video game and how mm-hmm. menacing and mm-hmm. scary 
and and superstitious and just otherworldly this whole entire underground connection is. Like, what what the fuck are these rich assholes doing down here? Right. Versus what happened with Harley Quinn. Okay, so I haven't seen that episode yet, so... Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's like, bro, it's... Sad face, where's my cigar? Oh, really? <sighs> I've seen some things. Like the veteran came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not it's not great. God damn. Yeah. I didn't think that Harley Quinn would drop the ball on something like that. You know, they they normally do pretty good at balancing like, you know, character integrity and know how versus comedy. kinda kinda sorta. Kinda sorta. Kinda sorta, but then it goes uh, south. Uh, and it goes it goes south south. Mm. You gotta watch it. You yeah, gotta watch yeah, it. Yeah, I, I gotta Homies, watch no, it. no, uh, no spoilers to any of you out there either. But you also need to watch it after, after you motherfuckers read this book. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This book. Yeah. Uh. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you, kite man. Uh. But yeah, this book here. This this book this right shit here. Right here. This shit right here. Yes. It's not called death. It's called the quarter Owls. <laughs> Shout out to to the bit if you know it. Yes. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned uh, you know about the Harley Quinn TV show and, and their use of the Court of Vows. Mm-hmm. It's like I said at the top of this episode, man. Uh, the Court of Vows to me, they were only used really well during this run, dude. For real, yeah. For real. I'm hoping the video game um, does them justice as well because yeah. that, that's a dope ass like new style of villain for the Batman Rogue Gallery. Oh, yeah. That's like not an entity. But a fucking organization. Right. A whole class of assholes who are just like well-armed, well-resourced, and acting fucking superior with an ulterior motive. So, yeah. you know, there's some shit to be had there. Right. There's money to for the taking. So, it, it's interesting. Definitely, definitely. Especially a new territory for our bats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... By the way, not not to go ahead and segue us out here, because I want to talk about the, the game just a little bit here at the end, but, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being it's definitely going to happen, and 1 being it's definitely not going to happen, uh, what do you think the odds are that in Gotham Knights, Bruce Wayne is not dead, but he's been made into a talent by the Court of Owls? Oh, bro. How dare you? Um... By the way, guys, that's the story for the Gotham Knights game. There's absolutely yeah. no chance at all. It's not gonna happen. Eight. <laughs> that was my that was my score too. Yeah, it's gonna be get an the eight. fuck yeah. out of yeah. here, bro. Give me another <laughs> cheers. I'm down to my kombucha, but give me a cheers. Hell yeah. yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I was like on a scale of eight to ten. It's probably an eight. You know, probably yeah. So I guess there'd be an eighty percent chance. Yeah, roughly yeah. that that's Bruce Wayne. Math. Yeah, that's math. Yeah, that's how math works. Mathematical. Right? <laughs> that math maths. <laughs> Did you get my reference, buddy? It made me happy. Mathematical. Yeah, homies. I hope you got the reference. But you, you feel free to move on. You're no. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Technically, they got comic books too, but not not for tonight's episode. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, Batman's been kidnapped, folks. Makes me so happy. And uh, he has been gone for, I think, eight days is what they say. Mm. Yeah, he's been gone for eight days. Uh, no one's seen him. No one in the Bat family has seen him. Uh, Alfred hadn't seen him. Commissioner Gordon hadn't seen him. And uh, I do like like this little speech that, uh, that Gordon gives to Bullock here. Bullock is like, hey, man, uh, 
you're going to blow the bulb on that thing, referring to the back signal. He goes, you've had that thing on for eight days straight now and still no bats. When are you going to turn it off? And basically, Commissioner Gordon says, you know, this right, you know, like, keeping this on isn't just me hoarding out hope that Batman comes back, but it's also for the criminals as well to let them know that, you know, we're all still at work here and that we're not going to rest. And so, no, the signal stays on. Uh, it's just a really kind of uh, cool and effective little speech that Gordon gives. Uh, but we go back to Batman now, who has been in this underground labyrinth for eight days. Uh, and there's a couple of things I like here, uh, and I want to point out again the artwork. And that is Batman looks crazed uh, because yes. he's been uh, his his only source of like nutrients has been this well of, of water coming from this giant owl statue. And Batman deduces this shit is definitely laced with drugs. Mm -hmm. Like they want me confused and drugged right now. And if you look at the, uh, at the artwork here, uh, you see that one of the eyes is the classic ghost shell eye. Mm -hmm. And the other one is like bloodshot. Uh, like it's, it's busted out even. Um, and, and what that tells me is that the ghost shell eyes aren't just like they they represent more than just like the artist's rendition of eyes with the cows on, but like there's an actual lens that covers Batman's cowl and that lens has been busted out in one eye. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very small little detail, but it's a very cool detail. I thought, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's he's drinking this uh, this well water because it's the only thing that there is to drink, and he's in this labyrinth and he's going crazy, and in this maze he finds like pictures of everybody who is a victim of the Court of Owls, um, everybody who's been drugged and tortured and killed by them. He finds them all, and he just goes to this labyrinth, and Bruce Wayne is like damn near losing his mind. And at one point, he even thinks that he sees his parents and he goes up and hugs them, but it's not his parents. He, he's just being attacked again. Um, but yeah, so he's like losing his shit right now. And what I really love about this is, uh, is that stuff still in, uh, in, in volume one there in your hand? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Looking at it here? Yeah. What I really appreciate about it is that as you go on here, to make the reader feel just as discombobulated as Bruce you have to twist and turn the book as you read it yes. in order to keep with the, uh, with the panel. That panels. was cool. Like now I'm yeah. on the fucking like sideways shit. Right. And then soon I'm going to be on the upside and down. And then, yeah, then it goes upside down. That yeah. is creative as fuck. Yeah. Man, this is when DC earned their paycheck. Oh you yeah. Know, like this. And now I'm reading the shit awkwardly. Right. Like I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? Right. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, Super cool to read that from, from from that perspective, just to really show uh, how fucked up Bruce Wayne is from all this. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, Bruce is attacked by Talon, and you get the idea that this is what they this is what they do. Um, they torture their prey first. They uh, they being the Court of Owls, they mm -hmm. they put you through hell, they put you through the psychological horror, they drug you, yeah. they send you through this labyrinth for who knows how long. And then they kill you. Um, but here's the thing. Like, the one problem that they have here is that this is the goddamn Batman. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, he's not going to go down like their, their other victims. And um, 
And so what ends up happening here is that when they think that Bruce has had it, when they think that he's done, no, he, he's not. Uh, and he gets up and he fights. And, uh, you know, he fights because, like, he's he's had enough. And he's not, I mean, he's not going to take their bullshit anymore. And so you see him get up and you see him fight. And the way that Greg Capullo draws Batman, it's almost monstrous. Yeah. Almost like he's transforming. So fucking cool. Yeah. The, the bat that, like, exploded from an owl. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no. This, oh, man. It's like the owl is exploding from within the bat. There right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and it's also at this point where you, you finally get to see like the, uh, the the masked figures who are the court of all like like the wealthy elites like you see them and it's some real eyes wide shut type shit I don't know if you guys have seen that movie which one the uh, eyes wide shut yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Stanley Kubrick um like uh, a, a real fucking creepy creepy ass movie uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Uh, really good movie though, but uh, th- this gives me a lot of uh, eyes wide shut vibe. Just seeing this cabal of of masked weirdos standing around watching Bruce Wayne, you know, almost die. But uh, Bruce he fights he fights this Talon, and they go back and forth. And uh, by the end of it, Bruce is able to get the upper hand on him, and he's able to uh, uh, incapacitate this Talon. Yes, and uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty fucking badass. But Batman also knows where they're at as well because again the detective work in this run is is really fucking cool, and uh, so he's able to deduce by, um, I think by like uh, the, uh, the 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 limestone that's in this uh, in this labyrinth. He's like, I know this isn't marble. This is some type of limestone, and I recognize the uh, the minerals in the water that you guys drug me with. I know exactly where I am, which means, and then he throws out one of his uh, explosive pellets. Blows a hole in like the uh, the owl statue, or right behind it, yeah. and jumps down in it, and he takes him like right behind like a, a Gotham ravine. Uh, and yeah, so Batman is able to escape them. Uh, the Court of Owl, they're still very much uh, active and all that, so they're not done. But Batman was able to escape. Uh, but it's at this point where at the end of this issue, uh, the Court of Owl say, "Okay, well." So he, you know, he wants to be tough. That's fine. Uh, we'll just have to get more. So we'll wake them up, all of them. And then you see that that one talent that gave Batman all that problem, mm-hmm. that was just one of many. Yep. There are many, many talents. And now the Court of Owls have decided to awaken them all to send them after Bruce Wayne. And now the interesting part for me is that I thought that at this point, when I first read the story that I had seen like the coolest thing that the story had to offer. I had not, mm. not by a long shot. No, for real, dude. Yeah. Like th- this page right here yeah. is what did it for me. Oh Whenever yeah. Whenever you see like the, the leader of the court of owls mm-hmm. with their prolonged nails, right. and their uh, eerie, almost like defeathered skin, uh, looking owl esque in nature, especially with the white hair just around the oh, rim yeah. of the mask. All these assholes and creepy owl masks, just like revealing the room where okay, wake them all up, everybody, and then you see all the coffins and only one is empty. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was yeah. so fucking cool because they they do such a great job of building up talent mm-hmm. and making you think that there's this just one supreme threat. Yeah, then you're like, oh no, there's many of them. 
there's other cool details also released along the way, like Alan Wayne died underneath suspicious circumstances, how he was a crazed man in his last days. You know, he was running around paranoid, almost schizophrenic in nature, yeah. and he, he died by falling in a manhole. It's what they think happened to him. But we know now that's not the case. Uh, and also, it is important to note that uh, the Court of Owls, the way they get their talents is they used to have basically a little recruiting center that people didn't know about. And that recruiting center was through Haley Circus, the same Haley Circus where the Flying Graysons performed at. Yep. And Dick Grayson was primed to be a talent. Uh, but thankfully, Batman said, nope, not nope, not this guy. Can't have that happen. Um, but Batman is eventually able to make it back to the Batcave and he's taken in by Alfred and Alfred being the OG that he is, has, uh, Talon's body, uh, strapped up on a board. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they were to, to discover that if you keep a Talon's body in like sub zero temperatures, then their regenerative properties don't function properly. So they're not dead. But it's almost like they're in a, in a stasis mm -hmm. if you keep them damn near frozen. Right. And uh, and so now that gives Batman like a lot of uh, room to play with here because now he realized that, okay, if I can keep these motherfuckers frozen, I know what I need to do. Uh, but it's also at this point when Batman is able to unmask this talent and to get more information on him, uh, he learns and tells Dick, yeah, this guy right here, this talent who tried to kill me, He's your great grandfather. Yep. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. I need a button like that. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Why, why don't we? Have I don't that? know. That, that's a good button. To it is, it is yeah. a good button. Yeah. Very very comic book esque button. Um. Yes. Yeah, so now at this point, there's just a shit ton of ca uh, talents, talents that are coming out and are, are about to wreak havoc on Gotham City, and now um. A lot of these talents are going out after certain officials. They're going out to uh, to go ahead and attack and kill certain people in positions of power in Gotham City. And there was a list on one of these pages, and maybe it's later on here, but it was interesting looking at the list of people who the Court of Isles had these talents go after. But, uh, but besides that, they were also sending a large number of talents to Wayne Manor. And now this was super interesting here because Bruce is still recovering. Like his, he's still bandaged up and he's still bruised up and he has no idea what's about to happen. Yeah. Okay. That's the end of volume one. Yeah. That's the end of yeah, volume man. one. Like when I see on the end of volume one, I'll show you the last page here. Cause I don't, um, Oh, that's a bonus. Da, da, da. There it is. Last page. Oh yeah. That yeah. page. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because, yeah, that, that book still goes into Dick Grayson and the great-great-grandfather. Yeah. And um, the reveal that Dick Grayson was actually also breeded in order to mm -hmm. become another Tylen. Right. Very, very interesting. Oh, yeah. You know they got to talk about that in the video game. Yeah, they have to, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, once it's revealed, yep. there's that molar. There's that oh, goddamn oh, tooth. Yeah. 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 Goddamn. Uh, but man, like this next issue, I really fucking love because it, you just don't see a lot of stuff like this often in comic books. And, and like, it was just so fucking cool to read. And, uh, essentially Bruce and, uh, it's Bruce and Alfred there in, uh, in Wayne Manor, obviously, you know, Bruce is still nursing his wounds 
and uh, and and they're talking about um, you know like the whole court of owls and what they can do to kind of stop this whole cabal. And uh, after this talent is trying to tear Bruce, that you just you need to rest and recover. You know, you need to get your strength back. Blah blah blah. blah. And uh, and Bruce is like, no, no, I'm I'm fine after a bit. I've, I've just been a fool. I've been a fool for so long. Um, I've been so arrogant. But then it's at that point where both Bruce and Alfred, they hear something. And then Alfred hides his owl mask. <laughs> uh, Spoilers! Goddamn. Uh, Kevin has read a different quarter of vows than everyone else. <laughs> uh, but no, thankfully, no, that was not the case. Could you imagine, though? Fuck. Alfred, the whole time, like, yes, master. Puts on the mask. All right, let's go run the city for real. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, Bruce and Alfred hear a noise, like a thump, and they're like, what in the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, basically, they yeah, they hear it, and they're like, someone's trying to get in. And so they both go checking in different places to, to see, like, who in the fuck is trying to get in. And then, like, basically, when it's too late, they realize, oh, shit, they're being attacked by talents. And so the talents have not infiltrated Wayne Manor. And so you have Batman here, or Bruce Wayne, who's like, who's beat the fuck up, who was deprived for eight days and barely escaped with his life. And, uh, yeah, he's out here. I mean, he's in, in his, uh, in his own home in his own goddamn house trying yep. to recover. And here he's being attacked by these talents again. And, uh, and so now he's just trying to hold his goddamn own. And there's just these like large number of talents who are coming out to fight him. And, uh, so it's just this really cool fight scene that occurs. Um, and again, like, I just like the fact that this play, that this fight takes place on Wayne Manor, um, like on his own home turf. And it gives like credence to the idea that again, that's what owls do. Owls will attack their prey on their own home. Right. And that's exactly what these court of owls are doing. They're attacking the bat in his own home. Hoot, hoot, motherfucker. <laughs> Alfred, that's no owl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know where to continue with that. There's too many directions. Oh, uh, but I do also like the fact that so many of Batman's cool novelties come into play here. Like yeah. he, he's sm- yeah. yeah, yeah, he smashes one of the uh, talents with a giant uh, with a giant penny, yeah. uh, which would have to be held to pick back up. Uh, Batman called the whole Bat Fam for that. Like, all right, guys. Yep. We're going to lift this together and yep, we'll do some on, squats. On the count of three. Uh, but also, the really cool thing here is that Batman tells Alfred to go lock himself in one room to keep an eye on him in, in surveillance. And Batman goes into a different room to get another toy. Mm-hmm. And the toy that he gets here is a toy that makes his way back in a later issue in the same run. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this fucking thing. He gets the Devastator armor. And I fucking love this suit. Mm-hmm. The the Devastator or the Justice Buster, whatever you want to call it. He fucking gets it. All the above is correct. Yes. <laughs> it is this giant mech Batman suit. And Batman says to these motherfuckers, get the hell out of my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, so uh, as this is going on, we have to remember that the Court of Vows, they're also attacking other prominent members right. of society. 
Uh, we see one attacking the the Computroller. What is a Computroller? It's a computer that controls. God damn it, Kevin! This is a goddamn person. It's a person with a computer that also happens. I'm sorry, not Computroller, Comptroller. Uh, if that changes anything for you. Trolls on computers. God damn it, Kevin. We have a lot uh, of those. Yep. Uh, they attack uh, the, the Gotham City Deputy Sheriff. Uh, the, the Kane County Supreme Court Justice. Uh, Gotham Public Advocate. Uh, City Planning Commission. Uh, Commissioner of Cultural Affairs. Speaker of the Council. Uh, the the talent there are attacking and killing all of these prominent people who have the power to make the changes that Bruce Wayne wanted to make way back in issue one. Right. Um, so in other words, the Court of Isles don't like change. Um. But yeah, so yeah, we we see like everybody who who they want to kill. Also, and again, like I can't find the list in front of me, but it's somewhere. Um. But we see on the list that they have people on the list like, uh, obviously, Commissioner Gordon. He's on the list who they want to kill. Uh, but also, oh, here it is. Yeah. They have Victor Freeze on the list. They want to kill Mr. Freeze for some reason. And also, they have uh, the Penguin. He's on the list, too. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Lucius Fox is on the list. I'm trying to find the list. Uh, it's at the beginning of, uh, so after you get this page where they're trying to kill, like, all the uh People yeah. in power after that page. Okay. Yeah, it's it's after looking at the uh, the back computer. Yeah, there it is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, backwards. it's it's backwards. But if you look at like if you look at the names, you're able to see like there's uh the mayor. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Randall Davis. Yeah, Randall Davis. Lincoln uh, Marge, yeah, Lincoln March is on. Yep. Yeah. Lucius Fox, and the last one is Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah. Random. <laughs> um. Yeah, Mr. Freeze, I, I can't imagine why they want to kill him. Uh, Penguin, I understand. <laughs> Damn. Like, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the Devastator suit is just so badass. And thankfully, uh, the rest of the Bat family, they're out there, um, you know, trying to save who they can. Uh, so we got like Tim Drake, Red Hood. Uh, Dick Grayson, Damien, and Batgirl, and others who are out here trying to uh, save as many of these people as they can. And now, the cool thing is, here is that this uh, uh, this Bat Mech suit, this thing is badass. But these talons are ruthless, and there's so many of them. And you have to remember that technically, these talons they have enhanced strength, durability, and a regenerative property. Mm-hmm. And so, even with all the cool uh, toys and and weapons that this bat suit has on it, you got to think like how long can this thing hold up? And so Batman is getting effort to lower the temperature in the Batcave to sub zero levels so that these talents can freeze and so that he can incapacitate them. Right. Uh, the problem is the bat suit has to hold up that long, and uh, it's not. Uh, this is also where we get like another one of my favorite moments where he uses. Another cool novelty in the uh, in the Batcave, uh, and like who knew this until this issue of Batman? But the goddamn dinosaur in the Batcave is robotic, and Batman right. commands it to step on the talents, and it's, it's fucking awesome. Uh, I uh, I love that scene. I'm not gonna lie, man. If I'm a, if I'm a billionaire, I'm buying some dumb shit too. I'm I'm buying a goddamn. Oh, for sure. 
Jurassic sure. Park yeah. T Rex. You, you know that wasn't originally a robot when you got it. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I'm gonna make this a robot. <laughs> Master Wayne, if I may so, why, pray tell, would you make this dinosaur into a robot? Because, Alfred. Very well, sir. Thank you. Now, where's my tea? <laughs> <laughs> I need my relaxing tea, Alfred. My bat tea. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was more like some Will on that Batman. <laughs> A little bit, yep. yeah. Um, but what else? Uh, well, what is also cool is that uh, Batman receives an, an unlikely ally as he's being jumped by all these talents who have finally started to breach the uh, the new mech back suit. And that is uh, just a fucking swarm of bats come in. And uh, so it's just really cool to see that Batman receives allies from the bats. And uh, But it's also at this moment where the temperature begins to drop, but unfortunately, uh, the bat suit is uh, completely demolished. So Batman has to get the fuck out of there uh, because now he's just in his normal bat suit. His mech bat suit is all fucked up. Uh, but yeah, so he's able to get out of there, and uh, we do get this funny moment where Batman hops in the Batmobile. A talent jumps in front of him. Batman runs over the talent, right? And and Alfred goes, "Sir," and Batman just goes, "He's got a healing factor." Right, <laughs> right. You know that's how Batman treats Deadpool. Like, he's it's okay, Alfred. He's he's gonna heal. He's gonna heal from it, sir. He's only ahead. <laughs> He'll heal from it, Alfred. He'll heal from that. He'll be fine. Uh, so now with uh, with the bat cave and freezing temperatures, uh, they're able to get the uh, the rest of the talent kind of uh, contained and uh, keep them from being a threat. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Batman goes to uh, visit Lincoln March, but Lincoln March is dying. He had been stabbed by a talent, and uh, and he doesn't have a whole lot of time though. But he just says he has the. Uh, he has a message for Bruce, and he gives Bruce a, uh, or he gives Batman, quote unquote, a uh, a letter for Batman to give to Bruce. And, uh, and you know, Lincoln March, his last words are, you know, uh, you, I know that you that you know Bruce Wayne. Tell him to fight uh, to fight them, uh, fight for this city. It's worth it. Gotham can be a good place. Uh, remind him that a better Gotham is just one dream. And before he can do his catchphrase, one dream away. Lincoln March dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we get that. Um, by the way, guys, throughout all this, there is this really cool uh, sub-story going on about Jarvis Pennyworth, who was Alfred's dad, who were servants to the Waynes before Alfred. And uh, it's a really fucking interesting and cool sub-story that we get back here that I highly encourage you guys to read uh, because you get to see, like, the paranoia from Jarvis Pennyworth's point of view and from his perspective, what went down with the Waynes and, uh, and you know, what, what led to uh, maybe them being targets of the court of owls. Um, really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Uh, but, uh, essentially we learned that, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne, they wanted to, uh, uh, they they wanted to uh, to build, uh, I believe uh, it's like a kind of like an, an orphanage or like a, a home for uh, troubled youth of sorts, or kind of like like some kind of hospital for children, something like that. 
but they, they also wanted to like build a, a lot of other things for Gotham City that they were being told not to build. And they were basically being threatened not to build. And, uh, and Martha was really the one who's fighting that these things, you know, be built. Um, by the way, uh, they, they did save the coolest talent suit for uh, the main event. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, that is such a great fucking suit. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so, anyway, we, we go back to current time, though, and we see Batman. He's, uh, yeah, he, he goes uh, back to where it all began. He goes back to the Harbor House. He's able to get enough evidence to learn that he needs to go back to the Harbor House, the same place he went to when he was a kid after his parents died. Yeah. This is where he first looked for uh, the Court of Owls, and uh, this is where he's going again. Um, and so he goes there this time, and he goes there to confront the Court of Owls one last time. This is going to be it no matter what. He goes to the Harbor House, and he finds the Court of Owls. They're all sitting at 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 this giant diner table, dinner table, and they've all died from drinking poison wine, so they've all decided to kill themselves. And yeah, and Batman's like, "Well, shit," you know. Um, so on, on one hand, you know, Bruce is happy that this is over with, but on the other hand, he's he feels a little. He feels a little upset, a, a, a little angry that they were able to to get away with it in their own way. Right, like mm-hmm. in in their own messed up way, they won. Yeah, like they they won, like they they ran the game until the jig was up. But once they yeah. once their cover were blown, they decided to off themselves. They they afflicted the city with such a heavy hit. Yeah, and don't have to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. And and again, like every time when I when I was first reading the story, Kevin, every time I would get to a point where I'd be like, okay, now it's gonna calm down. It does an, another fucking one eighty and picks right the fuck back up. And so here I am at this point again, and I'm like, okay, yeah. So you know, my first time reading this, I was like, okay, I'm in like the final stages of the, of the story now. So you know, we're gonna get the conclusion and wrap it on up here. Nope. And yeah, nope. And I'm I'm reading here and like Bruce, he's uh and I didn't know I didn't remember this until my uh my reading of this recently. Uh but Bruce kept the shell casings that killed his parents. Hmm. And uh he's uh he's just playing with them in his hands. And uh he's just sitting, you know, in the uh in Wayne Manor, just kinda looking whimsically, you know, he's uh like like he can't believe that it ended like that. Yeah. Uh but no, he's uh, he's just sitting there looking out, looking down into the distance, and Africa comes up to him, and you know tells him that you know so you need to get ready, you know you have you know you have things to do and whatnot, and uh, and you know Bruce is like uh, you know I suppose I, I should get ready, you know I should go ahead and head out and and whatnot, and um, and as Bruce is getting up, you know he's about to da- he's he's about to get changed and whatnot, he looks at a picture of his parents and something fucking dawns on him. And if you have a fucking really keen eye and if you are just fucking amazing at paying attention, you would notice what Bruce also noticed. <clears throat> but you had to be, again, you had to be Bruce Wayne to fucking put this shit together. Right. Uh, and Bruce Wayne notices some shit that sends him off. He goes, Alfred, fuck the meeting. I got to go. Right. 
And uh, in the south of this, that Bruce goes to the morgue. That's Batman, of course. He goes to the morgue and he looks uh, in the, <laughs> I almost called it a file cabinet. What do you call those things that the morgue's bodies are kept in? <laughs> oh, it's a dead file cabinet. Dead, dead, dead oh, file cabinet. Oh, what's this file? Joe Smith? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> no, that uh, would be the uh, mortician. I don't know what they're called either. I, the yeah, mortician mor- drawers? Mortician, yeah. Yeah. Dead body storage. Yeah. Uh, corpse drawers. <laughs> yeah. They're not getting better. Right. <laughs> and, uh, he goes. He goes there, and um, and he he opens up uh, one of those uh, corpse storage units. And at this point, you don't know who's, uh, but he opens it up and he finds a note there, and it says, "Follow me down the rabbit hole" with a question mark at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And Bruce just says, "Yep, right behind you, old friend." And uh, and so he goes, and it, he takes him back to this place called the uh, the Willowwood Home for Children. Bruce just instinctively knows to go here. And uh, the reason why he knows to go here is because waiting for him here, the person who captures him here, it's none other than Lincoln March. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the person whose body he went to go find at the morgue was Lincoln March because Bruce had the suspicion Lincoln is not dead. I saw him die, yeah. but he's not dead. Uh, Lincoln had taken the same kind of serum that the Court of Isles give to the rest of the Talons uh, to keep himself alive. So even though it looked like he died, yeah. he was in, sub, uh, in uh, you know, that sub-zero so what, temperature. what did you see in his parents' photo that made him realize this? When, uh, when Lincoln March said that uh, his parents died and uh, he, he was telling Bruce about his childhood back when they were buddies, mm-hmm. um, he purposely put a detail in that story hoping that Bruce would pick up on it. And what he says to Bruce was, you know, I remember, you know, my parents, um, you know, when, when my mother died, it was, it was really rough on me. And I, I barely remember what she looked like, but she had this clay pendant with the, with a heart on it and, right, and I can yeah. never find it. And then he goes on and it's just a small detail. But if you look just a few pages before that, when yeah. Bruce is looking at the picture, you see that there's a heart shaped pendant on his mom's shirt. Yeah, and and Bruce right is there. yeah, and Bruce is like son of a bitch. Lincoln March made that story up, like mm-hmm. that was not his mom. That was my mom. Yeah, uh, and that was enough for him for him to know. Wait a minute, the Court of Owls also didn't kill themselves. They were set up just like I was set up. Uh, so the Court of Owls come to find out those members that you see sitting there dead at that table, they didn't kill themselves via suicidal wine. They were poisoned by Lincoln March. He killed them. And come to find out, Lincoln March has, of course, been a member of the Court of Oz this whole time, except he was a prop. Yep. He was the guy set up to be the mayor so that they could have even more control over yep. Gotham City. What they didn't count on is him turning on them. He wised up and said, nah, uh-uh, I'm going to turn these tables. Exactly. Yeah. On everybody. Yeah. So Lincoln March has now taken this, this same type of uh, serum that makes the talons... Um, uh, Dionysium is a part of the uh, the formula. The same Dionysium that comes back in at the very end of uh, Scott Snyder's story uh, here on Batman. Um, but then we get Lincoln Marches. We get his uh, what he claims to be his true origin story. And I feel like Scott is almost trying to um, imbue a little bit of the killing joke here. Because 
you can't really tell how much of this is real and how much of it isn't Yeah, with his origin. But Lincoln March essentially says that, um, yeah, you know, Bruce, back when, you know, you were a kid, uh, I don't, I don't think that you remember this, Bruce, but your mom was pregnant again with the second child. That child was me that your mom was carrying. Yeah. And he goes, your, your parents, specifically your mom, but both of your parents are being targeted by the court of Isles because they were doing shit that was going against what the court wanted. Mm. And it was going to cost you guys dearly. And they uh, they got into a car wreck via the court of owls. And when they got into the car wreck, um, it's interesting here because at the end of the story, Alfred does confirm that, yes, Martha was pregnant with the second child. However, he says that Martha lost the child in the car wreck mm-hmm. and that there's there's no record for it. Bruce Wayne, with his own research, says that the day that that link or the dates that Lincoln gives him matches up with the date that a John Doe was taken to this Willowwood home for, uh, for uh, hurt children. Lincoln March says that he was, uh, that the car wreck caused uh, like an an early birth and that he was born with severe disabilities and that that's why the Waynes put him there in that home because they didn't want him to be, I guess, around the rest of the family. So that they put him there in that home. So this is this is another story telling us that uh, you know, uh mommy and daddy Wayne weren't quite as good as Bruce was led to believe. Yeah. And and Lincoln basically says that, you know, after after our parents died, Bruce, I wasn't worried because I knew that my big brother would come for me one day. I knew that he'd come and take me from this place. That, you know, we'd come and we fight this city together, but you never came. And great story. Oh, it's a phenomenal story. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's fucking great a storytelling. Yeah. And it's it's made even better by the fact that at the end of it, you have, you know, Bruce's detective work figuring out that I don't see any record of this guy. Yeah. Uh whose real name is Thomas would would have been uh Thomas Wayne Jr. if he did live and if that is their second child. Right. Now the reason that they they he's called Lincoln March is because the car wreck happened on the corner of Lincoln Avenue and March Avenue, mm. and hence the name Lincoln March. Which is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and yeah, so like obviously these guys they have their big blowout fight and whatnot, and um, you know at the, at the end of this fight the way that this whole thing plays out and and man his suit is really fucking cool, uh, <laughs> just looking at his suit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way that the fight ends up here is uh, they end up in this building that is, uh, again, fucking rigged to the uh, gills with explosives. It's one of, uh, I believe it's one of Alan Wayne's buildings, which yeah. makes it, you know, even even more, uh, you know, ironic and, and special in that uh, occasion. But uh, <clears throat> Lincoln essentially wants them all to, it's like, you know, we, we're going to go together, Bruce, you and I. Uh, except this time... I'm going to live and you won't. Yeah. Uh, because Bruce does not have that quarter bowel, you know, formula in him. Uh, and so as this building is going up, Bruce is able to get away and escape. Later on, we see that he's talking with commissioner Gordon and Gordon goes, there's no casualties here, Bruce. There's no one in the building indicating mm-hmm. that Lincoln Marsh got out. Uh, he did survive. And then at the end of the story is when, um, 
you know, we really see Bruce look at, you know, looking at like Dick and Alfred, like people who he, he truly considers to be his family and whatnot. And, uh, and understanding about what it really means to, to be a part of Gotham. Um, and I do like, uh, like this, this last bit of dialogue between Bruce and Dick where, uh, Bruce says, uh, Gotham isn't Batman. Gotham isn't the Owls. Gotham is all of us. And Dick goes, it's a little bit of Batman too. Come on. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, that's, that's funny. Cause it's kind of true. Um, but yeah, that uh, that is essentially, guys, the the ending of the Court of Owls story there. And uh, what is the true nature of uh, of Lincoln March? Like, is he really Thomas Wayne Jr. or did Thomas Wayne Jr. die in the car wreck, like Alfred says, and like right. maybe the records show? Uh, is the John Doe that was committed to Willowwood is that really uh, Lincoln March? You know, is that Thomas Wayne Jr. is it's Lincoln March telling the truth or, or, uh, you know, uh, another theory to throw out there was Lincoln March, just some poor orphan who was fed a bunch of bullshit by the court of owls. So they could prop him up and feed him these, th- these lies. Yeah. Now, the other thing you have to remember about the ending of the court of owls is that the people who you see dead at the table, uh, who drank the, uh, the poison wine via Lincoln March, uh, they are not the entirety of the court. Of course not. Yeah, of course yeah. not. Yeah, there, there are still plenty of other members out there who will keep this thing going. And the idea is that they will rebuild, they will refocus, and they will come back. Yeah, like a good threat. Like a good threat. Uh, unfortunately, like I said earlier, this, to my knowledge, is the only good Court of Owls story. They have come back in, in sub- subsequent stories that have not been as good. I believe uh, that. Yeah, you know. Um. I mean, yeah, how do you follow that up, dude? Because Lincoln March is dope. Such yeah. a cool concept. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whether he's Lincoln March or Thomas Wayne the Jr., uh, who, who knows, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, but that that is, guys, essentially the story of the Court of Owls. Uh, again, so now, you know, hopefully you guys understand why this is such a staple Batman story, a modern-day classic mm-hmm. Batman story. It's got... This has, <laughs> hate to sound like a damn movie credit, but it's got action. It's got suspense. It's got detective work. Yeah, it's got moxie, kid. Uh, it's, it's, it's got kind of everything that you will want from a good Batman story. Yeah. Um, man, uh, with that being said, Kevin, uh, I just want to take just a, a moment or two <clears throat> to talk about uh, your expectations uh, from this video game. So in reading that story, you know they're going to pick and choose a lot. And sadly, my first instinct is what they're going to pick and choose rather than telling the same story. You know, like, well, you've seen the video games do it time and time again. And I'm curious. I'm curious how they're going to handle the idea of um, Lincoln March. Because Mm -hmm. in this telling of the story, he's awesome. He's the centerpiece. He's the calendar man that puts the long Halloween together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, it's it's um it's it's tricky because I, I feel like they're going to go for the dramatic but dumb reveal that it was Bruce Wayne being controlled by mm-hmm. the Court of Owls, who was the Lincoln March. Yeah, yeah. I can uh um, I can definitely see them go on that route. And I, I, I hope they don't. I hope they just leave Bruce out of it. You know, but then it's like, who do you get to experience the trippy labyrinth? 
So that's the thing. I don't even know if they put that in here. No, put it, it in. Put the fucking thing because, in. Here's why I say that. It's because if they put the tricky labyrinth in it, it needs to be Dick Grayson who experiences it. Yeah. Because Dick Grayson, he has f- familial ties to the Court of Owls. True. I mean, fucking the main talent for like the first three quarters of the story is his great granddad. Or do you put someone more unstable in there on purpose? Do you put Jason, Jason. Todd in there? And then with the reveal later that it's Dick Grayson and his fam fam that's a part of the fucking court of owls and that he's been fucking branded for this shit, creating the divination within the family. Mm. That's sharp. That's a guitar pick dropping on the <laughs> That's uh, I'm not dropping the mic. It's too expensive. But I'll drop a pick. <laughs> but yeah, dude, that that could be money. Yeah. But man, you you got to go on faith and put the the fucking like laced owl water limestone hall right trippy labyrinth. Yeah. So cool, man. It is, man. And it's like, and th- this comes back to marketing. And and I know with the with the big budget video game, there's no way that you can avoid. You know, letting people know that the Court of Owls is in it. But it would have been really cool if you didn't know the Court of Owls was in this game until you played it. Right. Like, you got the idea that it's just like, you know, Mr. uh, Mr. Freezing Penguin or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Because we know that uh, Harley Quinn is going to be in it as a villain. uh, Which, I'm I'm glad to see her as a villain again. Amen. Um, Amen. Thank you, Kelly Cuoco. It's an awesome show. But, yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clayface is going to be in it. Uh, Mr. Freeze, Penguin. Uh, those are the confirmed uh, villains. But man, like, how cool would it have been to like just think, oh, okay, Mr. Freeze is like the big bad, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Bruce is dead, and that's all we know. Yep. Uh, and then you know, going to the game and maybe find little breadcrumbs, little clues. Mm-hmm. Or you remember, um, remember that part in Arkham Knight where you're flying around Gotham. And out of nowhere, you get attacked by Man Bat. Yes. <laughs> How cool would it be if you were just trying to get to another mission, you get attacked by a Talon, you know? Dude, 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 look at this trophy over here, just flying through the air. What the hell, man? What the shit? God. Don't chase this fucker around my Batmobile. Right. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. Um... I'm afraid that this game will make the mistake that like subsequent Court of Owls stories have made, mm. and that is they, they they trivialized the the talents instead of making them like this super uber threat that just became kind of like, like henchmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, anyone can beat them easily. Just yeah, like have normal ass henchmen, just like common thugs who mm-hmm. do anything for a dime, but or a dime sack. But <laughs> then it's like. Have these guys be like the big baddie mini bosses? You know? Yeah. Have these guys be like the, oh fuck, I'm getting chased by this guy. I'm not outfitted to fight him yet. Right. You know that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I really, really enjoy the fact that this game is going to be co-op. Yeah, so uh, fucking cool. And that they have like different skill trees and and like different play styles. You know, dibs on Jason Todd. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, you, you have you have dibs on Jason Todd. Good. Uh, I'm, I call dibs. You homies hold. You you homies hurt me. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that part out. So now, no motherfucker. <laughs> dibs on Jason Todd. <laughs> um, I don't know who I want to play as yet, man. Like, I just for just to see if they do anything with the spectacle. I might do most of it as Dick. Mm-hmm. You know, just to see if they play on that at all. Right. You know. 
And then I probably want to be Batgirl next. Yeah. So if yeah, you're going to play as Dick, yeah. we need another experience. So oh, hell yeah. That means yeah. you got to play as Tim. Oh, I don't. I, I love Tim. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't want to play as Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play as, like, you know, the others. Uh, I, you know, I love them all. I, I've, I've gone through cycles. I was like, I'm going to play as Batgirl. And I'm going to play as Tim. And I'm going to play as Dick now. It's like I've gone through these cycles since the game has been announced. Notice you didn't say uh, Jason Todd. I didn't because I knew that. Yeah, that's right. Because you called dibs, and then also like the homie Tame called dibs on Jason. So I'm like, yeah, I say, you know what? <laughs> Hell yeah, we know what's up. Well, if you're fine. Y'all get the the fucking CTE crowbar broken Robin. I will be the most jacked Robin. <laughs> See that motherfucker? He is extraordinarily built in this video game. He really is. He's got some mass on him <laughs> yeah. now. Like what the hell, man? All right. Right. Yeah. I, I will say this. I do not like his mode of transportation. He has like this mystical jump that he does. That's weird. Yeah. It is very like weird. The Lazarus pit jump or whatever they're yeah. going to call it. I don't know. Yeah. It was taken from like the weirdest part of like his own New 52 run. I'm like, we, we, we could have done anything else, you know? Yeah. Like literally giving bat boots or some shit, you know, like the moon uh, boots. Yeah. Or, or, you know, fucking. Do you remember those moon boots? Uh, yeah. I never owned a pair, but yes. Me neither. Yeah. What a weird shoe. I would have hurt myself if I had those, probably. Probably me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that uh, that everybody should have received like similar modes of transportation. Honestly, like oh, yeah. m- making it that different, I think is kind of you know detrimental to a degree because everyone across the board agrees that Jason Todd's Mystic Jump is kind of weird bullshit. Yeah. Um, I get you're trying to be different, and that's viable. But yeah. Don't don't try to be different. Right. <laughs> I mean, everybody has grappling hooks, you know, everybody. Yeah, and we, this is an understood <laughs> fact. Yeah. Yeah. So why not just grapple hook everywhere? Uh, I mean, Batgirl, she's probably the easiest just because she has a cape so she can do the Batman glide. Yeah. You know? That's a pre-saved mechanic. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 It's tried and true. Also, the reason I might play as Babs is because uh, apparently she has the, the gameplay most similar to Batman. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she also has like the the bat pod, the bat bike. So I'm like, that's a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a win. Good. That's a fucking win. <laughs> well, Jason's got guns. Jason does have guns, and apparently you can choose like two different play styles for each character. Okay. So I, I know you can do like the the gun build. Okay. Uh, and I forget what this other one is. Probably just fucking brawler brute, yeah. something like that. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, other than that, man, yeah, I. I uh, I'm looking forward to the game. You know, yeah. I hope hope it's great. Uh, I know that uh, with the gameplay mechanics, for those of you who have played the other Arkham games, uh, it will not be the same kind of combat. Uh, so for better or for worse, I don't know. But yeah. uh, we'll see. It's going to be a different style of combat. It's going to be more action RPG, whereas the Arkham games are more, you know, open world action games. Could be cool. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, looking forward to it, though. Me too. Uh, Kevin, do you have anything else on the Court of Isles and or Gotham Knights? I'm just excited, man. Uh, do we have a release date for the game yet? Uh, yes, October 21st is the release date. So about two and a half weeks. Yeah, about two and a half, three weeks from uh, from this recording, the game will be out. And uh, you better believe we will be reviewing it once we put a little bit of time into it. Uh, makes sense, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But uh, that's going to be a fun one. It'll be a real fun one. Agreed, dude. That's yep. going to be really fun. It's 
We're going to play multiplayer online Batman together. Hell yeah. It's going to be dope. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say this and then I promise you we'll go. But one thing that I don't like, and I, I don't like this in, in any co-op game, uh, where, uh, and they're putting this mechanic in this game as well, where like you and I can both play as the same character. No, I, don't I, I, let I, us no, do that. No. Be, be dicks. It, it breaks the immersion completely. Yeah. Let us be different. Right. We understand the when, cost. When I play like the Arkham games or like the Spider-Man games, I feel like I'm playing as Spider-Man and Batman, you know? Yeah. That, that's the point of the immersion factor. I don't want to break that immersion by seeing like another fucking, you know, Red Hood or, or Nightwing running around. No, mm-hmm. no. Fuck no. And not unless it's Clayface. And then in that case, you know, I got I to gotta kick his ass. Right. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully the game is great. Uh, but that would be all for this one. Homies, let us know what you guys think of the Court of Owls. Hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. I was also going to hootie hoo, but you oh. interrupted me. <laughs> hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Oh. But that will be all for this one, homies. We will see you guys next time. Next time, guys, we'll be uh, reviewing Marvel's Werewolf by Night Halloween special. I, uh, I, I, am, I am actually really looking forward to, uh, to seeing this thing. Uh, it is definitely going to be by far the most unique and different thing uh, from the MCU. And uh, so, yeah, hopefully it delivers, man. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, and that comes out this Friday. Uh, but... That would be all for now, homies. We will see you guys again next time. But until then, my name is Superhero Homie Q. And I am Superhero Homie Kevin.